Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Oh, welcome back to Spiro Avenue. You know, in a litigious society in which we live, you have to clear everything with a fleet of attorneys. And I spent my entire day in a room with 17 attorneys, actually, and uh, they were consulting with my guest and I, and we were going over all the topics because, you know, if you do anything wrong or even consider moving on in life, you may be, well, subjected to a little litigation yourself. So this, this was the most red tape I think I've had to, to cut through to get a guest on here. And we put this together at the last minute because we like you so much. But lawsuits be damned, season desist letters that are poorly written at best be damned. We are here with Jeff I. Frady. Welcome, man. Thank you, Justin. I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's long overdue, and I think the timing is, is truly perfect, to be honest with you. You know, we talked a while ago. You might not even remember, sort of informally, about having you come on. This is a while ago. And then your now prior network had initiated a ban on me where no one was allowed to follow me. And I said, well, fuck them. I'm not going to promote those people if they're going <laughs> to stick it to me like That's that. Fair. So we, this is like a two-year gap. I wanted to have you in a long time ago. That embargo, we'll get into the reasons why it's no longer in place, but it's gone now. It's good to have you finally, if not a little bit belated, right? Yeah, and I do remember that. I, I do, uh, especially with me and Adam, we're, we're on air. Uh, that was a fun time. Uh, and I think you've always been a supporter of mine. You've been a supporter of Adam. So I appreciate you for that. And I think, again, like I said, it, some would say this is long overdue, but also perfect timing. Uh, it, I, that's why today, even on last minute, I appreciate that, by the way. I had to get down here. Had to. Yeah, you you moved some shit around, man. Like yeah. you were you like yeah. canceled your own shit. Are they still doing the show? Yeah, today? yep. The other guys held it down. I texted them. I said, guys, I have a I have a side mission. I have to pursue. And uh, they said, do it. We support you. But really? Yeah. That's a weird concept. They supported something you felt like you needed to do <laughs> in your professional life. That's wild, man. Is that is that new to you? Is that weird for you? Yeah, yeah, it is a little weird. Um, especially people that uh, I'm super close with. Um, but those guys, man, that's why we're doing something special with Crunch Time, which you can check out. Uh, Crunch Time with Jeff Ifrey and Boone on YouTube. We're on all podcast platforms. And just doing that, the freedom, the, the creative freedom. And again, like we're the bosses. It's it's something that I'm excited for. Like, no, we have full con- a creative control, which is a first, to be honest with it's, you. It's got to be nice. I mean, w- was it weird like pitching an accommodation with your schedule and like not getting berated in any way? Um, yeah, well, at first, when, when this all first happened, um, I thought I could do both. That's that's where I started with it. And now we're here. So we're, we're full time. We're live 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, it works best with everyone's schedule. And I, I just think with the guys I have, I, those are the guys I want in the foxhole with me. And uh, I make the decisions for myself. And I think that's how I like it. Kind of like you do. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful studio, by the way. It's, I appreciate it. It's not all pros. There are some downsides, which we'll get to later. You know, when the, you get those fancy emails from attorneys that are paid to harass you, it's, uh, you're kind yeah. of on your own. You're standing on your own. And that's uh, not always fun. We'll get into all that good stuff later. The bottom line is, the Pistons have to be the opener here, other oh, than my gosh. banter notwithstanding at the beginning. <sighs> Knew we'd get here. Look, you're a guy, as the kids say, that knows ball. You know, you, you've done a Pistons dedicated show. And I think mm-hmm. your Pistons coverage, I would argue, just my humble opinion, is where I think you're the sharpest. I, I feel like you're the most on point with your NBA coverage, your Pistons coverage in particular. That's yeah. my personal favorite Thank lane you. for you. Um, I don't know what they're doing. And as smart as you are, with this NBA stuff, I don't know if you can possibly, in your brain, explain what is Troy Weaver doing? Do you make any sense of the plan here? Is there a plan? 
I don't know what's going on. What say you about the Troy Weaver experience? Right? So it's funny when he first got here um, <laughs> and you look at the draft, uh, the draft evaluation side of it, the talent evaluation. I I was a fan. Obviously, the first draft was with Killian a disaster, but we kind of talked about this before the show, too. At the time, it was Killian Hayes, a lot of upside there. Um, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart. It was a decent first draft. And then you look at the drafts afterwards, like he's hit on talent. And I think for Troy, the the, the roster construction is my issue. And the timing of when you trade players, like, for example, and I know we're going to talk about it now, but the trade deadline today, some of the deals are confusing. Like, for example, a bogey, a Bojan Bogdanovich, he was supposed to be traded last year. And the timing of it now waiting a year, he significantly decreased in value. And, and that's, of course, on Troy, like Killian Hayes. He was supposed to trade him over the offseason. Uh, Monty Williams obviously wanted to ride it out this season. Didn't work out. It actually was it got worse. And now he's gone. He was waived. So. The, the the draft evaluation side, I've always been a fan of for Troy, but it seems like everything else he just can't put together. And uh, now we're here and it doesn't I, I don't see no light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't. And with the draft assets they don't have, good luck go, going out and getting a star. I mean, Kevin Durant, multiple first round picks. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, multiple first round picks. There's no one coming to save this team. You're counting on player development at this point. You're, you're just they have to. These guys have to turn into stars. Jade Ivey, Jalen Duran, Kate Cunningham already putting up all star numbers. But those guys all have to be stars for this to work out. That's where they're at. So I think with where they landed in the Ivy draft in the lottery and obviously, you know, Ivy had made it known he wanted to come here, wasn't even answering calls from the Sacramento Kings was like yep. burying that so they wouldn't take him. I, I'm not criticizing the pick. I think that was the right pick. I think we all thought that was the right pick at the time. So I do think it's fair, though. And I, I know I brought it up at the time. I had uh, mm-hmm. Omari Sankofa from the Detroit Free Press Pistons beat writer on, and we did a whole segment on it. The question immediately was the fit with Cade. Right. Can these guys coexist? Some people were skeptical on the show that I did with Omari. I said, I, I think they might be able to play together. Cade's pretty flexible, but it is a question. It's not a natural, oh, my God, this will be perfect. There's some questions there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, it works, Right. Is that fair? Yeah, no, it's fair. And I've had this conversation with uh, some some former coworkers of mine that uh, at the time of the draft. And the one thing with Jaden Ivey, the one question mark coming out is, and it's funny because people brought up him playing off ball, but he played a lot of off ball at Purdue. It was really his three point shooting, which, to be honest with you, over the last fifteen games, he's gotten a lot better at. Like he's shooting about thirty five percent. So that's the biggest thing. But you got two guys that are great with the basketball, and I know that was the biggest question. You're seeing now, even with Cade, you're putting the ball in, in Jay Nivey's hands more. He's bringing it up the court. He's initiating the offense. You're seeing the success. Uh, but you don't really have an argument when Cade misses a game and Jay Nivey gets you know 37 or he's playing really well. I, that's, that's where they're heading. So uh, when you talk about the young core of this team, I don't think there's really any untouchable player truly at this point. Like, But for Jay Nivey, they're probably going to hit a crossroad where you're going to have to choose one. And, and I would like it to work out. I like these guys to play together. And, and it's unfair at the same time because you look at the first season for Cade, right? He's, I should think, I thought he should have won rookie of the year uh, that year, just personally. And then you look at the next year, he gets hurt, and Jaden Ivey has complete control of the offense. He's the stud, he has the ball in his hands. And then now this year, they play together. And of course, Ivy's coming off the bench and then Cade goes down again. So part of it is the chemistry on the court. But I think I do need a bigger sample size. But right now, you can't deny like both guys are great with the ball in their hands unless they figure out how to share it effectively. Um, it, it's it it's not ideal at this point, truly. Uh, Mike Valeni brought it up today. So credit him for the point. And it was a great point that he made with the Sacramento Kings. And they had that similar log jam situation with, you know, Fox and Halberton. Yep. And I, I think the Pacers trade, you know, Halliburton for Sabonis is one of those rare trades where I think they both are happy they did it. It made a lot of sense, like, you know, the big for the little and all that. And 
I think both teams are happy with that. I think it worked out. Obviously, the Kings had the year that they did last year. So I, I think ideally you're looking for something like that. I don't know that there's another Sabonis perfect trade partner out there. But mm-hmm. let's say there is. Let's, let's say for whatever reason the Kings were going to give you Sabonis or somebody similar. You know, you could get somebody like that. And you could recreate the trade. And that team says, you know what? We like Cade and Ivy. Take your pick. So the trader turns the same in this hypothetical. Oh, gosh. Who are you keeping? Who's, who's it's getting a, out? It's a great, it's a great question. Uh, for me, and you like what Cade brings, right? Like the, even though he's he's not as athletic, he's not as fast, but the the basketball IQ, I'm a huge fan of for Cade. The the size, the 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 flexibility, the versatility. But you can't deny Ivy's upside. I, you can make an argument, and you might even win this argument, that he has a he has a much higher upside because of his athleticism. Like it, it's it's funny that we're having this conversation over the last couple of weeks. You have Donovan, you have Donovan Mitchell, you have Russell Westbrook, these guys coming out and complimenting Jaden Ivey and, and what he can be in the league. Um, I, I I would lean K just because of his leadership, but then you could hit me back with his inavailability, which I think at this point now is is certainly a question. Like he's he's missed games this year. Um, he missed all of last season. I think his problem is just staying on the court. Like at least for Ivy, when he's out there, he's out there and he's playing really well. And you see in the player development. So I think at this point, I would still lean Cade, but it's getting closer and closer because if you're not available, like there's the argument. I mean, Ivy's been available for the most part. So I would lean Cade right now. But if you want to pick Ivy, I have no issue. He, he has a high upside, man. He does. And if, I mean, if you're going to get into the where it's close, Ivy's a little cheaper and another year of control before you have to pay that's the big fair. dollars. So and that's that's, that's a to me. It's a valid tiebreaker. It's a whole entire mm-hmm. year of control before the salary gets crazy. So mm-hmm. if you're close, that's the argument for Ivy. I think I think that is a tough question that anybody answering that might look really dumb on tape in three years. Either way, like somebody's probably going to look stupid on one side of that argument. But at the same time, I think you have to answer that if you're the Pistons because it's not going to work. Yeah, and the big thing too, like you brought up the Sacramento Kings, them getting some bonus, like having to, to fork over Tyrese Halliburton, it might get to a point where you can go get somebody, but you're going to have to give up one of those two. Like, I know, you know, Isaiah Stewart being traded, I don't know what you're getting for him. So for a player like that, and I mentioned it earlier, no assets, like you're you're going to have be forced to trade one of your foundational players. Like it's going to be an Ivy Arcade to try and land a Sabonis-esque player and I'm curious what what decision the Pistons go with because Cade was the first overall pick, right? Like when he was drafted, he gave hope to the city, and, and certainly he's a great player. Um, but you're right, like to go get somebody, unless these guys are able to play on the court together and they can both coexist and be all stars, you're you may have to trade one of those guys. Those are your two best pieces, like Duran too. But I love Duran, and I, that's a guy that I think you keep around just because of his upside. Um, but I can see a point, and we've had this discussion. I've had this discussion with Pistons fans. You're going to eventually probably have to trade one of those two. And I've heard a lot of Ivy, but I do think it's closer than people think. I do. And I think if you're going to go with the one more year of control and he's cheaper and he has a high upside, I, I can't really disagree with you. I just can't. I think it's a legitimate discussion. I don't think anyone's dumb answering it in either way. Had this discussion taken place between you and I in, let's say, November. Right. It would have seemed absurd because Killian Hayes was playing more than Ivy was. And Ivy was playing like nine minutes a night sometimes, sometimes like, did he have like a game where he played five minutes or something? I can't, you know. And then you have Monty, and I love Monty, but he's he's coming out of the media like kind of shading Ivy at in certain points and talking about his defense. Yeah. Like I, it's been in, and then he comes out, he, play, he has thirty seven, and, and Monty's like, oh, he's well, he's got a high upside. That like, yeah, we we know Monty, and that's why Monty I think is a whole nother debate or whole nother conversation we could have because um, I like Monty. I just don't know if he's the right fit for this this team with this youth. He's a guy you bring in when you when you have a squad ready to win. 
And I think this season all in, it's just been a disaster, but I don't think Monty's absolved from any blame either, to be honest with you. Well, and that's kind of where I was going with this, honestly, because depending on whom you believe, he either said no to the Pistons twice mm-hmm. or three times. There's no dispute that he said no multiple times. It's just, do we believe, you know, Woj, who said it was twice, mm-hmm. or Sean Sharani, who said it was three times. He had rejected the Pistons multiple times, and they kept coming and coming. And I don't begrudge him. At some point, the money gets so dumb where it's like, okay, I got to take it. Got to take it. I mean, it's, it's almost irresponsible to say no. So I don't fault him for that. But when you, when you have to keep making a run at a guy, and there's a difference between playing hardball and having options and having leverage and just not wanting to do something and being paid to the point where you have to go, mm-hmm. I think this was the latter. I, I do not think this was Monty saying, I think I'm going to squeeze a few extra dollars. I think he genuinely wanted nothing to do with coaching anywhere, but especially here. Isn't the Ivy thing a huge red flag that he had him sitting on the bench? He might be the best player on the team. Yeah, the fact that you started killing Hayes is a crime. And you're seeing that now. I mean, it's it's funny. And we kind of were talking about this before the show, too, just the killing Hayes arc and where he's come from. Like, it, he got waived today, and there's no tra- there was no trade suitors. And he's not a guy that, again, doesn't turn the ball over. But he's an offensive liability. Like, putting Ivy... If, if you're going to lose... What do they have? Six, seven wins now, in, in the, almost in the middle of February? You better have Ivy and Cade out there together. Like that's what I signed up for. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna win ten games, it better be with those two for the most part. If they're healthy, the fact that I had to watch Killian Hayes at any point this season, and now you got Sasser coming along, he looks really good too out of Houston. Um, but that's a crime. Like the the fact that you and, and again, I'm not. I'm sure again, Monty. We we saw what he did with Phoenix, but that is that is a that is a a god awful decision like to even think that having killian hayes in the starting lineup is going to benefit you anyway um and having ivy come off your bench like he's some gimmick player six-man player he has high and you're seeing that now with without cade um th- that was just dumb and i hated it from the start i think most fans hated it and now you're seeing it play out this way like you just got waved yeah sounds about right yeah and we saw you, that coming and you nailed it the entire purpose of this whole thing the last couple of years was can these two play together we were robbed of that last year nobody's fault Kate right. got hurt for the 17th time because he's not eating enough meat or any meat. <laughs> so it's going to happen. He's going to be hurt a lot. That's what happens to these poor guys. Sorry, Kennedy Broadway. I apologize. But the bottom line is the entire purpose of this type of a season is who gives a shit, especially after you're all, you started 2-20 and 20 or whatever it was. Right. Like, let's just see what we have. Those guys should be playing not just mostly together. They should be out there like 38 minutes a night together. The whole point is to figure out where you're at. This isn't going to make the playoffs no. now. So why why are you screwing around with killing a guy you waved two months later? Yeah, and the Asar Thompson thing is confusing, too. I mean, he starts the season. He's giving you double-digit points. He's a he's a defensive just monster. And what he's doing, on he's your best perimeter defender. And now for a team that's... Uh, that is first or second, one of the two in the league in turnovers, and you're not forcing turnovers. And you have a guy in a sorry who's getting you, you know, three, four stocks a game. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, do I want to watch Kevin Knox? I mean, he's gone now, but at the time, do I want to watch Kevin Knox every day? No. Like, that, that's, that's why I brought up that point. Like, if you're going to win 10 games, it better be with a SAR, it better be with Ivy, and it better be with those guys in the starting lineup. Like, especially for Pistons fans that you're still trying to keep bought in. Like there has to be a reason. There has to be some pathway. If you're going to have to endure this, like you said, at least you're watching growth. At least you're watching. Now you've got a Sar Thompson playing 10 minutes a night, 15 minutes a night. Some nights he plays 25. If you give it, if he plays well, like we're, we're past that. Like we're, we're past that. We're, we're these guys need as much experience as possible now. And and it just seems like this year it's been confusing with that. Like a Sar Thompson not being in the starting lineup. I don't get it. 
I just don't. Not because just be, not in the starting lineup. He's not out there when these games are close at the end. Absolutely. And for as bad as they are, I mean, looking up the Pistons have had plenty of close losses where, you know, maybe even at the end they lose by 12, but they're down by four with three minutes left. Right. Like he should be getting those reps, not just general experience, but in those situations and game situations, let him shoot, even though he sucks at shooting, like mm-hmm. just get him a little bit game adequate. Maybe I happen to be a big Asar guy, big picture. I think Asar Thompson by like next year could be the fourth best player on a team that wins the title. Like he could be mm-hmm. out there and be a huge, big player for them. Right? Yeah. Are you high on him? Like, sort of in a vacuum outside of this nonsensical situation he's in. Yeah, and you, and you look at the draft, right? Like for Troy Weaver, you take a guy with the highest upside. And, and again, he he looked a lot better than his brother Amon in Houston. Like to start, and now I know Amon's getting a lot more minutes, but I think Asar, they got the right player. Like I I know I know offensively, at least you brought up the shooting. That's a problem, but he's it's it's funny. I feel like we've we've been down this a couple times here where it's like if he just develops a shot, he's got everything, he's got the defense, he's got the playmaking, he's got everything else, he's got the size. And he could guard now in the modern NBA, like a, a person like Asar with his versatility. I mean, you could play him at both forward spots. Like I, I like what they have in Asar. But again, if you're not if you're not giving the the, the dude minutes or to try and correct his own mistakes, like what are we doing now next year? This carries over like he's I, I still believe Asar is a part of this foundation moving forward. Like I said, I don't know if they have any untouchable players, but Asar is definitely one of their most promising. It's, if you talk about upside, Justin, I. I you could argue he has one of the highest upsides on the team. I would give you that. I, th- I think he's a stud, honestly. And even if the shooting doesn't develop, save for basically one and a half years, Draymond Green can't shoot for shit and never could. So valuable. I mean, out of nowhere, he had like two like two good shooting seasons. Like I think it was like his fourth and fifth year. Mm-hmm. Then it went right back down. Not a shooter. The guy's a multi-time defensive player of the year. He's always in the top five in the vote for a good reason. And, mm-hmm. and he's the edge of that team. And even Steph Curry said, like, I don't know if we win a single title without that guy. So, I, you know, I you can't get away with multiple non-shooters in your starting lineup, but you can definitely get away with one or two that brings out what he does. I'm a big Asar guy. And that's and that's like where and that's where like again, you you nailed it there because you don't need him to be a 36, 37% three-point shooter if you have Ivy and K that are again, you got to count on those guys too to develop that. Um and a guy like that, especially late in the fourth quarter, if you could put him on the opponent's best perimeter uh, offensive player, what that does for you, like it takes so much pressure off of Ivy and Cade, and I think Ivy can still be a really good defender just in t- just with his uh, physical tools and his athleticism. But like you're absolutely right, like even if he let's say he doesn't develop, let's say he's just not a great three point shooter for the rest of his career, he still brings a ton of value, like ton of value. He's, he's a smart smart basketball player for especially not going to college. He just goes right to the overtime league, develops, and now he's in the NBA. He fits. He's he's an NBA player. He truly is. And yeah. he's going to be good for a long time, I think. He's the least of their problems. I'm a big yeah. Asar guy, big picture. And he's a guy, totally different game style, but he's a guy like Chris Middleton, where if you get rid of him, a little different, obviously, <laughs> second round pick versus a lottery pick. Right. But like he's a guy that will haunt them if they give up. I have no fear of that with Killian Hayes, for example. Yeah. Like If they give up Asar Thompson or, or give him up for less than he's worth, that guy's going to torture us for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's going to be a stud. on. A, he's just a winning player. The record of the team he's on notwithstanding. Um, I want to transition to this. I don't want to do an entire Lions topic. And it's not a you problem. It's a me problem. I'm nowhere near ready to have the Lions discussion because I'm still depressed. I made multiple Jeff Akuda graphics today. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm coping in my own way. I, what do the kids say? Down bad? I'm yeah, down bad, that, yeah, right? That's true. I'm, I'm too old to say that, but I can say as the kids say, then I can say it. Yep. Oh, I'm not going to get over that ever. I'm certainly not ready to talk about the Lions big picture now. But as a pet topic, because I get asked on a near daily basis, particularly at the end of the season and during the 49ers game, I get asked all the time 
if I want to apologize to Jameson Williams? Am I ready to apologize? No, I, I don't think you should apologize. And I think, you know, we knew, we knew this one was coming. Uh, I've said some things about JMO. And I think for me, you see the flashes. Now, the consistency is a problem. Like, I'll give you that because, like, for example, the NFC Championship game, um, he had a great game. But if you take the full playoff picture into account, it's not like JMO lit up the playoffs. So for me, it's always been seeing the flashes. It's, it, it's can JMO do it consistently? And is he a gimmick player? Is he a guy that, you know, you put out there and he's going he's gonna to catch a 60-yard bomb? I think he's more than that. I do. And, and I know what I saw his last year at Alabama. Um, and it's not just him being a gimmick player, like a deep threat. I think there's a lot there. Um, and it seems like in the limited touches he does have, he finds a way to either A, make a big play or score touchdowns. So that's what I look at now. Am I crazy for that? Potentially. And you, you look at the sample sizes given the Lions and, and Lions fans so far. Is it even, do I have a lot of a ground to stand on? Probably not. Um, but I do see the flashes and that's why I, I, I do. I have faith in JMO and I think there's something there, whether he figures it out or not, league will move on. So it's not up to me. Uh, but that's why I've always said like, and I said this last year is before the suspension, but I said, I can see JMO breaking out this year. Boy, I was wrong. Sam Laporta, second best, uh, technically wide receiver on this team. And then Amara broke out. Um, but next year, looking at it next year. Um, I do think there will be a jump in production because how they used him at the end of this season, not just like I said, a guy that's going to run straight, run deep routes. He was running different types of route concepts. It just It looked like Jamo was finally getting him a grasp of the playbook and him and Jared finally got a report because you know Jared. Like Jared has to trust you. And him dropping footballs doesn't help. Like that, that Jared's not going to keep going to you. That's why Reynolds, his favorite guy. I'm mean, Ross St. Brown, his favorite guy. Sam Laporta, reliable, his favorite guy. So for Jamo, it's about being trustworthy. And he did, he did, I don't want to say completely fixed, but he got better in terms of dropping the football late in the season. So I still got hope he can be something. Will he ever live up to where he was drafted? No, I'll give you that. You see Chris Olave, you see what these guys are doing. It's fair. Uh, but I'm still holding on to the hope that Jamo can be a serviceable to good player for the Lions. He'll, I mean, you have Amon Ross St. Brown. You don't need him to be a thousand yard guy. You got Laporta, who's going to be a thousand yard tight end. So, I mean, unless Jared passes for 7,000, I, I think we can, we can halt on the expectations for Jamo. But I do think something's there. Um, but we'll, we'll see this season. I mean, that's the, it's, I mean, that's the issue I have is the guy will have one 27-yard catch, maybe even a really pretty looking 27-yard <laughs> catch, and it'll be for his third catch in a month. And my mentions are blowing up with, oh, at Darko said he was apologized to JMO, and you're saying, oh, I've seen flashes. I, I've never said in any form, Twitter, here, mm -hmm. spaces, I've never said, that guy sucks. He can't play a leg. I've never said that. I've actually said repeatedly, I think he'll make some plays, even at, when I was as down on him as possible. Mm -hmm. At my lowest JMO point, I still always said he'll make some plays. Like he's a freak athlete and he's got a great offensive coordinator. But that's not what you traded up for pick 12 for. And you did, you did that knowing you were basically effectively punting most of, if not the entire first year, ended up being the entire year. Yes, he came back in one catch all year. So people have to understand, like, I, he's not getting graded on a curve here, right? He's a twelfth overall pick. Like he's got, I get, he's got to be a star, right? Yeah. No, you're you're right. Or it's a disappointment. Yeah, and I think that's fair, right? Like you have Amon Ross St. Brown, he's a fourth round pick, and he's an All Pro wide receiver. Yep. You have Sam Laporta, who's a second round pick, he's an All Pro tight end. Like Josh Josh Reynolds, who you ended up I, picking up. Don't off. say his name ever. Uh, okay, I don't you know want to talk about that the, asshole. The, the man who we should be playing in our <laughs> Super Bowl, right? Sorry, the Go man ahead. who had key drops in the biggest game of my lifetime. Uh, what he did coming, they picked him up off of waivers, and he seemed to be immediately reliable. But again, it goes back to 
Um, just it, again, Jared has to trust you, but that's not JMO. Like it, he, he, he has to, he has to show something. And that's why I said, like, is he ever going to live up to that pick? No, he won't. Um, it's about, can he contribute to a team that's going to contend for a Super Bowl? And I do think he can. I, I just think now you hit on two studs, not in the first round, ironically, um, that are just much better. And there's no, there's no, there's no way to argue against it. Oh, you touched on it. Let's dip into the ceiling because you even mentioned it there, the thousand yard mark and that's what I pulled of your, your comments on your show. I knew it was coming. You guys, well, I mean, you were actually the most tame, believe it or not. I mean, your, your co-host, I was like, how many yards do these guys think <laughs> one team can have? Because, yeah, I, I, I got a Monroe down for 1,700. I got LaPorta down for 1,600. And I got J-Mo somewhere between 12 and 13. I'm like, who? It, it, it didn't count Gibbs yet. It's like, yeah. how many yards do you think this team right. is going to pass for? Ben, can you roll a little cut of the Jamison thousand-yard hour on Jeff's show, please? What kind of year are we expecting out of Jameson? And for me, I've been a big fan of JMO. You see the talent. I don't, I don't think it's hard to see it, right? If you're a guy who goes off strictly production and you look at stats and you go, well, in, in these games and the role he played, he's, he's, he's bad. Okay. For me, you watch Jameson Williams. And I think on, on the biggest stage, when they needed him, he showed up. He can go out next year. And I'm going to say it, get 1,000 yards. Okay, that was, believe it or not, by far the most tame. Your, your co-hosts on the Crunch Time pod were, were up into the 1,400-yard range. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, you said, first of all, let's start with this premise. Do you agree that the last few weeks, you know, the playoffs, maybe very end of the regular season, is the best we've seen J-Mo in the NFL? That's kind of objectively true, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's certainly that NFC. Like I said, it, and I, I do stand on that part of the take uh, because in the biggest moment, he did play well, and, and he scored huge plays, like especially that 40-yard TD run. So, you know, a thousand might be aggressive, uh, but I, I did the, in thinking in the math. I'm like, that's about what 60, 60 ish yards a, a game, roughly over a 17 game season. Um, I'm like, there is, there is, a, there is, it is possible. Now you're looking at the 49ers offense now. Like you had George Kittle get a thousand, you had IU get over a thousand, you had Debo get close to a thousand. What makes you think the Lions can get three a thousand yard uh, receivers? I don't know. One of those guys like a Laporta is going to have to have an 800. It's just you're not getting 3,000 yard receiver. So that's me kind of banking on the big playmaking ability and him taking the next step. But I do realize that is a stretch. I'll give you that. I mean, Amonra gets 1,000 in the sleep now. He's like 1,500 this year. Easily. Laporta yeah. was like 898 or something, mm -hmm. or 896, whatever it was. Ben, can you throw up, let's throw up JMO's playoff stats because I people are acting like the guy had some explosive all time great postseason. That looks like one solid game to me. I mean, three games, six catches, 79 yards, the one pass uh, touchdown mm -hmm. reception. And obviously, you know, the aforementioned 42-yard run in the NFC Championship game. But like, that's a contributor. That, that's not a star receiver. Six catches in three games it's for 79 yards in three games, in games that had some touchdowns in them. I mean, I, I just, to me, he is, even at his peak, been a guy who's helping. Right. He's contributing he's not a dud I, I like that he's there but I just don't see him as being anywhere near what I had thought he could be and what so many others did and what I think Brad Holmes thought when he traded up for him the thousand yard thing I I had to do the research because I thought it was crazy when I heard it and it was as crazy as I thought it was oh when I heard gosh it. you got stats I, I got numbers well I, Adam knows I don't say anything Adam you might get sued even if it's just a laugh if, if they detect your laugh but this is a pretty rare feat the number of a thousand yard times three oh my seasons God. in the history of the NFL. It's only happened five times, most recently in 2008, where one single team 
had three guys do it. So you're talking about a, a significant gap, 15 seasons since we've seen this. And I will give you, okay, 17 game schedule. That, that'll help. Hasn't helped anybody the last few years since it's been instituted. We just don't see it. And if right. you you already said Laporta is going to be at 1,000, which I agree with. He's basically at 900, even though he missed a bunch of snaps he played, but was hurt you know, for a significant part of some games. Like We all agree he's going to be a 1,000-yard guy. So if you're putting J-Mo at 1,000, and we all agree Amon Ra's a shoe-in and Laporta's basically a shoe-in, the, the Lions are going to be doing something that hasn't been done since what? George Bush was still on. Yeah, and to be honest, Justin, I'll just bag myself in a corner. You're not including the two potential thousand yard backs. So now Gibbs is possible. I don't. I wouldn't put Montgomery in there. But but regardless, two guys that are going to have two like close to two thousand yards. We'll we'll just say two thousand yards from scrimmage, uh, right? And I'll just go there. So yeah, I I get that. And and you're gonna. Here's the thing with that. You're not. You're not taking. I'm not taking into account obviously injuries, which that can have an effect. It's why Debo partially didn't hit a thousand this year for the 49ers, but. Um, the other thing is the the Lions offense isn't pass happy. Like it, it, I, I don't see a, a scenario in which, like you said, Amon Ra is going to get his 1500. Um, I just think that's where he'll be. That's just what Amon Ra is right now. And he, his ceiling, I wouldn't put a ceiling on him. Sam Laporta, if he's healthy, I mean, he had what, almost a thousand and he missed a game, didn't he? I believe in the regular season or so. So he's a thousand yard guy. I'll admit the JMO thing is a little aggressive. Now, can he get 600 yards, 500 yards? I think so. I think he can increase his production. I think for this year, missed the first five games and he was just kind of pulled along until the last part of the season. I think he can definitely maybe double his current year. He hit 300 this year, um, but a thousand, I'll admit, is aggressive. I'll yeah, I mean, certainly the 1400. The, I can't remember which one of the, I feel bad. I normally like crediting people. We we were under a time crunch, no pun intended, putting this together. But yeah, I mean, and really the premise of the, the setup there wasn't to say, oh, gotcha, you said something dumb. I, I'm just trying to frame it like I, I, I've heard that take a lot, and I don't right. know if people realize what they're saying. I think we have to, for our own sanity, go into this. Now, you, you mentioned injuries. If Laporta goes down, a bunch of targets open up. Monra goes down, God forbid either of those two things happen. Yeah. A lot of targets open up. That's different. So I, don't at me if some weird thing like that happens and then a situation changes. But people out there saying this stuff, JMO, it's going to be the JMO hour and he's going <laughs> to explode and this year's going to be crazy. You're basically saying one of the two other guys are getting hurt. Right. They're going to suck out of nowhere. Or something has never happened, like ever is going to happen. Where not, I mean, even when it's happened, the third guy's at like a thousand and three. Like it just, it's, it, yeah, it's it's barely. And you're not even. I'm not even taking into account. And if people who say that, you're not taking into account Jameer Gibbs, who I think his the, the receiving side of his game. There's a lot there. I think, and I know he he got a couple hundred yards this year, and he certainly showed flashes. But I think Jameer could be a, a even more of a weapon in the passing game. So maybe it's a little disingenuous. I mean, who, to say something. I, mean, I, I think Jameer is another guy that you have to factor in. They're, I mean, we'll see what Josh Reynolds, what his future holds. Yeah. Or excuse me, excuse get, me. They, get the, him out of here. The man who, who had the two biggest they, drops in, in Are my they going to bring him back? Because he's a free agent. I was so happy when I realized that. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, right? Like for Jared, if, if you're keeping him around, I think to... Because let's be real here about jo- about Josh. Like, yeah, he he had some bad drops, key drops in that game. But for the most part this season, like he's been really reliable. He's been huge. He was huge. very critical. And even in the playoffs, he helped. I think for a majority of his uh, catches, I have to double check this. He was up there in like most catches were for like first downs, uh, first down conversions or touchdowns. Like he's 
He's Jared, in, in a way, when Amon Ra's double covered, he is his, besides Sam Laporta, he's really their wide receiver too. I mean, if you think about it, over JMO, he's been like that. I um, mean, he's been really Jared Goff's safety blanket if Amon Ra and Sam Laporta are covered. So I would I would be open to re-signing him, but at the same time, like let's, let's be real here. I think this wide receiver core, we'll see what they do in, in the draft um, later in the rounds, but I, I don't know if he's a must re-sign but I'd be open to it because again, you got to keep your quarterback happy. If you're going to resign Jared, you better resign one of the guys that you can rely on. And he's another guy that love. I mean, he does all the right things, right? He loves to block. He's reliable. He doesn't get hurt. Um, it's just unfortunate that you know, the one game he decided not to show up, it was the biggest game of this entire season and of my lifetime. So that's a whole other thing. We don't got to revisit that. I didn't love him laughing after the first drop, which they'd be in the Super Bowl if it weren't for that. But I mean, the problem is if you are bringing him back, and that's another thing, that, like there's a conflict with what people are saying. Like we're friends with Natalie Sparbeck, whom I love. And she's actually, I would say above me on the Lions knowledge scale. I, I would give her that. But on this point, she's like, come on, I'm still in, in the Josh camp and you got to bring Josh Reynolds back. And at the same time, she's on the Jameson's going to explode, which now this gets even crazier than your podcast, where now I got <laughs> Josh Reynolds coming back. And G- where are those extra hundred yards for reporter to get him to at least a thousand? <laughs> And not like, what is it? 700? Because I think Jimmy was at like 292 or something. I got to find another 800 yards. (laughs) You know, seven, 800 yards. Where are these yards coming from? You can't predict all this stuff. Someone's falling off. Yeah. But like, if you want, if you're the Jamison stand, supporter, advocate, whatever, you almost kind of have to root for Josh Reynolds to leave, notwithstanding my emotions and the fact that I don't want to look at the guy because he ruined my life. (laughs) I there's if you want Jamison to be a critical part, you got to get Reynolds out, right? Yeah, yeah. only so many targets. Yeah, he, especially the role he played. I mean, you look at the games he he had this year, and, and just like I mentioned before, like besides St. Brown and Laporta, Josh Reynolds was a safety. He was a safety blanket. Like, and, and again, if you're gonna, if I'm my prediction comes true, hope it does. Uh, Jamison Williams getting a thousand. Like, yeah, you're right. You're gonna have to let go of Josh Reynolds. And I think with what they've built so far. Um, I, I don't know if Josh Reynolds is an integral part. I, I think when you look at guys that need to re-sign, we could start with Graham Glasgow. He's he's way, way more important to what they do. If you're going to re-sign guys on the offense, I'm looking at him first. You're starting at the offensive line. Josh Reynolds is great, um, but at the end of the day, you're already paying Cam Sutton $11 million, which that's a whole other thing. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't be mad if Josh Reynolds walked. I just wouldn't. I think they can replace Josh Reynolds. He's reliable, but again, like, that's why you have an Amon Ra. That's why you have a Sam Laporta. Like they'll be all right. This passing game ain't going nowhere. Uh, if you're a Jamison fan and you, you want to be dunking on people next year, you, you better hope he's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, you're right. Golf will throw to him because golf loves him. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see if golf will forgive him. I know I haven't yet, but uh, I mean, man, was that bad? I I don't. I I like their situation next year. I, I you know, and we can do that at different time. Maybe when you come back, it's a long. You know, we'll do a Lions deep dive maybe in three months. But I, I do think. There's legitimate questions about where they go with the defense. I mm-hmm. think they were escaping. They were uh, well, not a, not a smoke and mirrors. They were a legitimately very good team, but they were hanging on by a thread, just giving up 180 yard games, 220 yards to CD Lamb. Right. Just ending on the lines here. It's it's got to be a defense draft, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think if you're going to draft an offensive player, you better go guard or somebody that can play guard center, like uh, uh, someone that's more versatile on the offensive line because they lack depth there. Like they're a linchpin, a Frank Ragno away from having having a completely different. Yeah, he might be retired. He might I mean, be retired. I, I hope uh, not. That should be number one. Is getting in his ear. Yeah. So I think if you're going to draft offensively, you're looking at the interior offensive line because Joe Jackson. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, I know he was inavailable for the San Francisco game, and they had a 17 point lead. So I wouldn't be mad if they didn't resign Josh. 
either. But yeah, for the most part, I mean, you're looking, let's, let's just be real here, corner, um, corner, another edge. You need someone else who can win one-on-ones because uh, I know James Houston, when he was returning, people were like, James Houston, he's going to come back. I guess it, guys. I'll come off a hip injury, a severe injury. He's not going to be James Houston yet. Like, that's, that's the issue. And you saw that in the 49ers game when Hutch couldn't get home. They were screwed. And that's something they're going to have to address this offseason. Like, you need somebody else on the other side of Hutch that can command attention. Now, whether they do it in fringe or the draft, they got to draft an edge rusher. And, I mean, if you if you want to talk more on the defensive line, like, I wouldn't be mad at another uh, defensive lineman next to Ali McNeil because they they got Benito Jones in there, and he held it down. But they, they got to upgrade that defensive line. And then, of course, corner. I like their safety room. I think Iffy next year is going to have a huge year. Um, I, Kirby's Kirby's going to give up plays, but he's a playmaker. And then you got uh, Brian Branch, who's a stud. So it's really corner. You got to find a, 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 a number one corner. And I don't know if they can get that as a rookie. You're going to have to look to free agency, in my opinion. And, and hopefully he's not spending another $11 million annually on a corner, but um, they're going to have to draft a corner. Preferably it's in the, like, the, the later rounds. I don't think you take a corner in the first round. We'll see. Uh, maybe they could trade back. Uh, Brad Holmes, because they're at 29. We'll see if he trades back. But yeah, I think for the most part, besides interior offensive linemen and maybe a kicker, we'll see. You sign a veteran kicker. They got to solve that issue so Dan Campbell doesn't go for it every damn time. But that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, you want to draft him for the most part defensively. Absolutely. Yeah. Corner and edge. I mean, the, like, I, you know, you can mention interior defensive line. I know you said offensive line too. That was one of the best rush defenses we've seen Absolutely. in five years. I mean, nobody ran on that defense, which just goes to show how bad their past defense was that they're defensive DVOA was kind of shaky mm. with a dominant run defense in place. I'm ready to get fiscally responsible for Daniil Hunter. I don't care what anybody says. Like, let, let's get stupid. I wanted to trade. I said I would have traded what ended up being now the 29th pick because there were reports that people are always yelling at me. You're just making up stuff. How do you know he was even available? They would have never traded him in the division. First of all, they just did have trade with the Lions in the division <laughs> a year ago. Right. So throw that out. And this guy's a pending free agent. He's not even a, a guy who's under contract. So it's even more of an acceptable. The guy's going to walk in or could potentially walk in 10 weeks anyway. Mm -hmm. That whole thing was dumb to begin with. But also, I, I just think there were, well, I know there were multiple reports that they wanted a first round pick. The ask was high. And if someone met it, they were going to do that. I would have traded the 29th overall pick for him because I think you're in the Super Bowl and in my opinion, would win it if he were there. But you have to add that. That to me is obvious. And I don't care whether you go draft for one, free agency the other, you know, flip them. Some combination, draft three corners and hope one of them pans out. Like they got to figure it out. I would just, I would draft two of each, honestly. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad if they they double dipped. I like the Daniel Hunter though. I, I like that uh, because Spend. he's a yeah. I mean, and Brad said this um, at, talking to the media too that you know their plan is to draft, develop, and like that sounds great. And he's done a great job of that. But eventually, no team has just gotten in one Super Bowl just by drafting. Let's be real here. Like you're going to have to be aggressive. And so maybe it's the trade deadline this season. Maybe it's the off season. I think Daniel Hunter would be would be great. Um, I'm curious how much money he commands, but they got plenty of money freed up. And you got guys that are locked up under contract. Now you got Amon Rossi and Brown. You're going to have to pay a Panay Sewell and Jared Goff. Uh, which you don't want to obviously lose those guys. But Daniil Hunter's a piece that, I mean, if this defense was close, I mean, you put them top 10, they win, I think they're in the Super Bowl, and I think they could win the Super Bowl at that point. That's the how that's how close they are. So with Daniil Hunter, like, yeah, you, you'll solve the cornerback position, but that's a dude that can affect the game. And, and like you said, if you had Daniil Hunter uh, that Sunday against the 49ers, things could be different. Like, that's the type of player he is. He's a game changer. He was a defensive player of the year candidate for most of the year. I mean, I mean, that's the type of player he is. Purdy had, what, like, I think five for 45 yards rushing, but, like, four of the five were back-breaking scrambles on third down. Dude, I mean, like, that doesn't happen with Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter, and, I've like, the knock on Daniel Hunter is 
he's sort of narrow focused. Like he's not an all around player like a Miles Garrett. Like he's terrible, uh, relatively speaking, right. for his profile against the run. I already got a great run defense. I need that guy to do one fucking thing. <laughs> sack the guy standing with the ball back there. Yeah. And he's got the third highest sack rate in the NFL since 2016. The third highest. I mean, he, that's the, he does this as well as anybody <laughs> yeah. in the last 10 years. What are we talking? Oh, he's not well-rounded. I don't need him to be well-rounded. I need a guy that's going to sack the quarterback. I already have a top three run defense, motherfucker. Yeah, and those guys are idiots. I'll just say that. Like, you look at Daniil Hunter, and, and look at the Vikings. Like, this year, I thought their defense would be awful. Brian Flores comes in. Daniil Hunter's their best player by far. One of the, Look at their defense. Like, their run defense, for people that bring that up. Their run defense was great. So, Daniil Hunter, say what you want. I mean, all that stuff is just talk. I think Daniil, he's a game changer. Like, every team that faces the Vikings defensively, you ain't worried about that secondary. You ain't worried about that linebacker core. You're looking at Daniil Hunter. That guy's going to, and now with the Lions, you got Aiden Hutchinson. So, I think he'd be a perfect complement to what they currently have. And I just think any player that you bring up, oh, takes plays off. I mean, I've heard that too. I, I think... You look at Dan Campbell and what they're building, like situation matters with that kind of stuff. Like, right, if you're in a if you're in a bad culture, guys are gonna take plays off. I think if you come here, it's different, right? The 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 vibes, as people as the young ones say, as you'd say, are different. So I think a Daniel Hunter coming here, he ain't no liability in the run defense. You kidding me? He's gonna be a part of one of the best run defenses in the NFL. And he's got Aiden Hodgson on the other side, which he yep. didn't have in, in Minnesota. Exactly. So he immediately he makes his team takes his team up a notch, but he becomes even a better player at that point. And those two that you mentioned to make each other better. Mm-hmm. Hutchinson will be a better, and I am already a big fan of his. He will be better with Hunter. Hunter will be better with Hutchinson. Absolutely. So both players get better just by both being there. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's like, you're not just paying for Hunter and you're not just adding Hunter. Your secondary is better because they don't have to cover as long. Right. Your other edge is better because he's not getting double and triple teed so often. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's such a no-brainer. Let's get irresponsible. I don't care about three years from now. They have a great window to win now. I mean, it's an obvious... Let's get dumb. Let's get silly. I want an elite edge on the other side. Yeah, and I think for at least me for the draft, I've said this before too, I'm more for quality over quantity for draft picks. I, I wouldn't mind, honestly, if they just traded the first round pick for somebody at this point. Because um, Brad has shown that he can find talent anywhere in the draft. And I know people bring up the the good feel story, right? Like, I want to have a first round pick in, in, in Capus Martius. It's Detroit. Like, I don't give a damn. Go get a dude. And if they can do that, if you trade picks, like, this is the year, in my opinion, I know I was one of the ones that were from frustrated this past trade deadline they didn't get chase young and be more aggressive because i really did feel like this team as you they showed throughout the season like they didn't get a guy that could raise their ceiling this is if it's not this year it's next year like brad's got to be more aggressive whether that's getting a daniel hunter signing somebody trading for somebody like i expect some moves from brad holmes because again with with heightened expectations like the emotions come out like in this year they lost in the nfc championship game and it, it stays with us but there's some people like me that is like, you know what? I expected a playoff win. They got much farther than I expected. Like next year, it's not going to be like that. Like now we're talking Super Bowl win or appearance, whatever yeah. you want to say, or bust. That's where we are. It's, they've moved the, the goalpost, which is a good thing. That's a good problem to have. Right. My opinion, they should have won that game. If they do win that game, I would have picked them to beat the Chiefs. I, I really believe that they were better than the Chiefs. You, you respect Mahomes. You always, I'm never going to say, oh, it's a cakewalk. It's fucking Mahomes. We get that. I would have picked the Lions. I think they're kind of like already there. But yeah, they could have effectively, in my opinion, clinched it. Now that's hindsight, had they been more aggressive. At the same time, we know sitting here now, we can project. It's 
probable that Brad Holmes is going to draft some guy who's fucking awesome and, like, <laughs> and pick like 60 or yep. whatever it is. So it's, it's death taxes. Brad Holmes hitting on late <laughs> round draft picks. That's there's, where we are. There's, it's, some, it's great. there's some pro bowler that we don't even know about that we're going to get like in the third round. So and we're I'll, all going to hate the pick. That's how it goes. I'll give him that. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of hate, you hated uh, some aspects of your uh, your prior profession. Let's, uh, let's, oh, let's, yeah. your, your prior drink my water uh, job location. So We'll kind of finish on this. And I, you know, for those that were patiently watching, I, I had to get the real stuff out of the way before we got into the, the salacious gossip and all that stuff. But you obviously you had a big change in your professional life. And yeah. obviously, naturally, that's going to cross over to personal life. And that's, you know, it affects uh, everything that you do and your mood. And that's something that, you know, is not unique to you. It's everybody. You leave Woodward Sports. You announce this. We'll, we'll start there. Uh, we'll just play what you uh, sent out to the world. You made the announcement. Ben, if you can roll that. It's Jeff's announcement. He is leaving Woodward Sports Network. What's going on, everybody? It's Jeff Iafrady. Uh, I wanted to address the elephant in the room. Recently, I was pulled off of the Morning Woodward Show, and that was because I started my own podcast. And I was given an ultimatum. It was either the morning show or the podcast, which to me was extremely unfair, um, considering just the last four years in the hours, weekends, no vacations, the time I've put into making sure the company's growth came first. I felt betrayed. I was pulled off of the morning show during the biggest week in Lions history. So moving forward, I'm going to be investing in myself and doing my own show. So you make the announcement and, you know, people are excited for you. It got a lot of engagement and a lot of support. You got a lot of fans out there. It warmed the heart. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm walking around, uh, you know, getting some chores done, sit back down and check on Twitter and uh, wasn't as uh, pleasant as, as I thought. The divorce on, on your end seemed pretty nice, but apparently not. Ben, throw that up there. What, what happened here? <laughs> <laughs> All righty then, you say. They blocked you. And yeah. I'm wondering, did he say something? But then I, I saw you had said, in the, I was going to ask you, but other people beat me to it. You had said you've been pretty... Uh, friendly you've been nice like what what happened here yeah i don't got time man to to go back and forth i i think after all this i mean it's unfortunate uh maybe some would argue fortunate um depending on how you look at it but for me and i'll just start from the beginning i i mean I, it's funny because i i do I, I think at this point i have to kind of look at a four thousand foot view and give credit because the brand definitely elevated me i, I had a platform me and adam and we did great things, and me and him are, are still very close. So I'm thankful for those moments. I'm thankful for the people I've met, because those are lifelong friends. But what's unfortunate is throughout my tenure, right, and I've always been a loyal guy. That's how I was raised. I'm loyal, and I respect others. I'm professional. That's just how, I, how I've always been. I don't like drama, Justin. I've never been like that. I, mean, I mind my business. I do what I got to do when I go home. And it's funny because when I first thought of this idea to do a podcast, I figured, you know what, Jeff, you get off. I don't have another avenue to talk sports, no pun intended. But I figured, why not start a podcast? Like I have two hours a day to talk sports. And I figured, well, and I talked to myself, I just talked to myself. I'm thinking, well, if I start a podcast and I could grow my brand, just like many of these other people do in this industry, it'll bring, pre it'll bring traffic back to the show. That's how I always looked at it. So innocently enough, I, I thought to myself and I, I talked with Booner and, and he's a good friend of mine and Lucas and Mike. And I thought, you know what, guys, let's do something. Let's have a podcast where we can do on our own um, and grow our personal brands. And I can, I, it's funny enough to even mention this, but I can promote Woodward. I can promote my show constantly and I can drive traffic back to my show. Like, right. That's how I looked at it. I thought it was innocent. I, I even, funny enough, 
scheduled it around Woodward. Like I, I went live when the shows were done. I went live at 10. So when there was no shows on, I posted videos when shows weren't on. Like I even had the decency to look out for the company in that matter, right? I always thought of them first. I thought about how it looked, I, you know, and I didn't feel the need to go up and ask to do the podcast. Like I, I, there was nothing in my contract that suggested I had to. Um, I had complete c- control of freedom and I figured, well, I can't just go walk on TV and have a job like that. So this would be my outlet. Um, I could do a podcast. So it's funny. I, I started the pod. We filmed an episode. Uh, I posted it. And I got a text um, from Jesse, actually, uh, who, who you know is basically Chad's right-hand man, you can call him. But he texted me and he said, we're going to have a meeting this week. And you know, I was confused. I'm like, meeting about what? Uh, so it was me, Booner, and Mike. We, we get the text. I'm like, this is confusing because, again, I didn't do anything wrong. So I wait that week, being the professional I am. I didn't film. And I thought, we'll have the meeting. We'll see what, what they have to say and what the issue is. Because I just want, I, 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 listen, I don't want no problems. We'll just and get, you didn't know it was about the podcast. No, no. Okay. I, well, uh, yes, he sent the podcast. So I said, well, we'll just figure this out. Okay. I'm sure I figured he wanted an explanation, right? And I could clear it up. Like, listen, it tell, you what I just, tell him what I just told you, right? We're going to plan it around the shows. It's not going to interfere with any shows. It's harmless. It's to grow. the. I just figured it'd be an easy conversation. I didn't hear anything that week. So the weekend I said, well, I'm firing. I'm doing another one uh, because if I'm not going to hear anything and I have a meeting, I'm just going to do another one. So I, I filmed another podcast again, scheduling it around Woodward's time, and because I didn't want to interfere with any shows, uploaded that podcast, and then the Lions played the Buccaneers, and they won. And I got to watch with my dad. I was ecstatic. I couldn't wait to do the show on Monday. I was fired up. I mean, I, I couldn't sleep. I was so fired up. And about eight o'clock comes, and you know, I'm recording again. Because I, I thought, you know what, let's do a reaction video to the Lions winning. And then I'll share my, my true thoughts because I was going to give a basis discussion. But really, I was going to go in on the morning show. Uh, and I get a text during the live stream on crunch time. And it says, stay home tomorrow. Um, we got you covered. So I read the text on air and I immediately like chills through my body. Because again, like, I, don't want the, I don't want problems. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, are you serious? Like, I, I can't do the biggest show of my lifetime on a show that I helped build from the very beginning. Like I, I barely miss shows. I, you know, I, I worked weekends because I wanted to. I, I love this, right? So I, I was shocked. I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I stay home. Why? So I, I responded to the text, and this is also from Jesse. And I responded back, and I said, why? Like I, I don't understand it. He said, we'll go through it tomorrow. We'll clear it up. We'll talk about it. So I said, okay. And now, mind you, they're all on a trip in Florida, doing whatever for Lady Jane's. I mean, they're they're doing something else. So they had time to text me and tell me to stay home. Uh, so I, I didn't do the show Monday. I'm crushed. I mean, I, this is the hardest point of my career. I've, I've, I've always wanted to be there. I had the FOMO. I didn't want to miss out. And Monday comes along. I'm sitting there. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Uh, I, had to wa- I watched the show because I'm, you know, I'm sitting there. I want to know how it went. People are asking about me. People are talking. Did he sleep in? Did he drink too much? Now I'm, I'm like, I can't speak on it. But that I, I'm, it's hurt my professional, my pride, because I'm like, I didn't drink too much. I didn't do any of this. I drank Pepsi at the, at the bar watching the game. I'm like, I just want to be there. So I wait on Monday. I didn't hear anything. So I get another text from Jesse that night. And he said, stay home on Tuesday. So I go, okay, so this is where it's heading. I haven't gotten a clear upfront discussion, like a man to talk to me man to man and explain what happened. You're going to keep me dangling around your fingers. So I said, okay, fine. I'll be the, I'll be the bigger man. I'll miss Tuesday. Tuesday comes around. I have a meeting with Jesse individually. He basically tells me that this ain't going to work. Um, you you got to do one or the other. 
And I explained to him kind of what I explained to you about how I didn't see it as an issue. I thought in my mind, thinking innocently enough, like I look at these, I look up to guys like Shannon Sharp in the industry. I watch a lot of these guys, Nick Wright, and they have all their own podcasts, right? And it traffics people back to their shows. So I thought, okay, I'm confused. And he said, we'll meet with Chad. You know, we'll have a meeting. So I said, okay, let's do it. Like, I want to clear this up. So I had the meeting uh, with Chad and Jesse. Um, about the podcast. And that's when a line was essentially drawn. It was very clear. It was choose one. You can't do both. And now mind you, the podcast is getting traction. It's something that I I started, I had pride in doing. And it's not like I was doing it to hurt Woodward. I just figured I'd do something on the side in my free time. So it was a hard decision to make. I had to talk with my family, my friends, and uh, some personal, just personal people in my life. And I, I had to make a tough decision. I thought to myself, you know, I'm not going to go through what he said in the, I mean, I could, he, I mean, he essentially said one thing that bugged me the most and it lit a fire under my ass. And he said, we can put anybody in these seats and we'd still be successful. He said that verbatim. And that's what ticked me off because I'm a competitor. I look for shit to motivate me. That's how I always am. So when he said that, I said, okay. And then he also said, um, <laughs> funny enough, you know, Jeff, you're one of the best at this network. Uh, you're a great kid. You come from a great family. And this isn't no hard feelings. And I respected that, right? Like, I don't want no, like I told you, I don't want no problems. I just want to be able to do what I want to do, right? Like do something that I felt like I had freedom to do. But then in the other breath, he said, we could put anybody in these seats and we'd still be successful. The only reason why your channel is getting views and subscribers is because of us. It's because of Woodward. Like you're taking my talent, my personalities and doing something on your own. I said, Chad, I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it as, you know, we're making content in our free time. We have Woodward all over the place in our stuff, like promoting Woodward again. And yeah, that was it. Like, and I know there's been questions regarding a revenue share. There was nothing that was discussed. He said, he said, I might think about that. There's nothing. It was choose one. He said verbatim, there's a line in the sand. There is a line in the sand. And I thought that was very clear what he meant by that. So I said, well, I'm going to think about it and I'll let you know. So that was the end of the phone call. I felt disrespected. I was frustrated. I mean, I put in four years, four years of hard work and I'm not complaining, right? Like I get everyone has to work from the bottom and I, I don't even want to sit and sob about it, but it, it just felt disrespectful. Like it, it, that's all it took, right? Like draw a line in the sand. You, you dump your podcast, you worked your ass on that you do and schedule around our shows and what we do. You don't interfere with what we do, but still cancel it or your show. And I felt I was still sour about taking me off of the biggest show in my, my career because of that. And again, I told you, we had a meeting scheduled the week prior. Didn't have it. So how is that my fault? So I thought about it. I talked with my family and, and of course, my dad and, and, and had some, some, some deep discussions like, Jeff, you've been dragged around. Like, are you going to keep letting them do this? And I thought to myself, I just said, you know what? I got to stand up for myself. Something in my gut was telling me to jump. Like it's it's like jumping without knowing you have a parachute or not. And I said, you know what? Screw it. Like I'm I. There's a point where it gets to where you just have to, you have to stand up for yourself. And I and I've never done that. I've never caused problems. But at that time, I said, you know what? Screw this. So the next day, I waited and I sent my resignation letter. I sent it that morning. I wanted to be professional. I wrote a resignation letter. I sent it. Didn't hear a single reply. And I still haven't gotten a reply. Haven't heard a response since. Uh, funny enough, it was just that was it. Uh, that was all she wrote, right, Justin? Just uh, sent my resignation, and it was see you later. Are you sure they got it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I sent it the three emails, but yeah, I, I don't know what happened with that. And the rest is history. I pursued my podcast, and and there was never. I mean, they, 
they don't, it's, it, it, that's all it is. It's like, Hey, thanks for four years of working. And, and of course you had the number one show on the network with Adam, without Adam, I competed for the number one show on the network. It was very successful. I put my blood, sweat and tears into that company. And then that was it. It was like, all right, on to the next guy. And uh, it's disappointing. It is, but I think also it's a blessing, Joe. I do. I, I think it's a blessing and I'm more happy than I am now than I've really ever been since I started. Like truly, I have a, I have a fire lit under my ass and I think that's what I needed truly. And I have a different level of appreciation and passion for doing this and to connect with people like you, yourself, and, and many others that reached out and, and showed me love and, and reached out, you know, and, and honestly, a lot of people reached out and said, you're better off. I had, I was surprised with how many messages I got. I got people hitting me up that I never spoke to in this industry that are pretty reputable. I mean, they hit me up directly and said, you know what, Jeff, like, good for you. Like, you're better off. Like, and that's funny because while I was at Woodward, I didn't get a single reach out. It's almost like you're guilty by association. And I learned that just because I'm young. I learned that leaving. I was like, man, I was associating myself with that. And I think now it's opened up a lot of avenues. And again, I appreciate for what they've done for my brand. And of course, I put in a lot of work to get here. Um, but that I'm, I'm happy that book's closed. I am. When I hear your story and when I saw it in real time, here, here's my question for you. Did you not deserve, absent doing something egregiously wrong, some type of egregious misconduct, did you not deserve and earn the right to do that Monday show in that moment? Absolutely. I think I deserved it. I mean, the, the least you could have done, or they could have done, is allow me to do the show, talk to me after. That's what a respectable uh, company would do, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I think, I think the respectable, mature thing to do would be, you know what, Jeff? You've worked your ass off. I didn't miss a show. I covered the entire season from start to almost finish. And then when I missed that show, that was that was the the straw that broke the camel's back. Because, you know, to be honest, Justin, I didn't I didn't look at it like this, but I should have earlier. Like how how ignorant that was on their part. Like at first, I'm like, I'll just miss the show. But the more I sat there, I'm like, I'm really missing the biggest show in my lifetime. You'll never get that back. Never. I'll never get that back. And it's unfortunate, but yes, I, I think I deserve, I earned the right. I mean, I was, through all the stuff that happened, right, with Adam or whatever it was, I was the, I was the constant. I was there. I, I didn't miss. I was a professional. Again, I, I'll bring it up again. Like I, I put it, I love the company. I love the people I worked with. I, I represented them well. And that's the, and to quote, that's the thanks I get. You know, that's how that works, I guess. And, and that's you had the reaction I did. So typically just looking at the broadcast world, let's keep it even like sports media. When you pull somebody off the air, their immediate pull off the air, it's you know, the Brenneman example with the Castellanos meme. You're, mm -hmm. you're saying gay slurs on the air or there's some egregious breach of conduct or there have been people that have slipped down and accidentally said the N word somehow. I don't know how that happens, but that's happened immediately pulled off the air. You don't immediately pull somebody off the air for something that's non-criminal. They haven't been arrested. They haven't said anything on air. Right. This You don't pull somebody off the air like that in any context, even if it was a random Tuesday, but especially for that moment, based on a potential conflict that you might want to explore that doesn't breach the contract anyway. So if they had that issue, fine. But why do it then? My take, and it's based not in a vacuum, but based on myriad other evidence irrespective of anything to do with you mm -hmm. is that was a controlling vindictive fuck you to you yes is that a fair assessment absolutely and, and let's just look at it from the opposite right if i'm if i'm the owner of a of a network and i'm in the same position i'm thinking to myself okay biggest show of this season biggest show of this network's history 
one of my best talents. Do I want him off the show? But, but you're well. Don't say anything, Adam, because you'll get sued. You're you're interchangeable, though. You're an interchangeable that, and part, that's, and that's where it comes to. Like that's just look at it from. That's screw my opinion. Let's look at it from their opinion. That is an awful business decision. I mean, I I would rather if if I'm that butthurt and I it's a whole other thing, and I'm nowhere. I don't have that thought process. But let's just say I was. I'd say you know what, finish the show, and then we'll talk because I'm at least going to get you on the show. The fact that they like you said, it's a it's a control thing. It was the I'm going to get you. And that's how I'm going to get you, is I'm going to pull you off the show. You could stay at home and you could sit there and dwell. And it's funny because, you know, they could bring up uh, all they want. You know, you didn't tell us. I didn't have to. I didn't have to. I didn't, I didn't have to. I didn't have a contract. that I, I, had, I had creative freedom outside of my work hours. And especially the fact that I'm, I'm, I took into consideration the, the schedule of, of their content. And then I went around their schedule like it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense but absolutely is a fair assessment yeah i mean that's to me that's pretty clear there's no there's no rational reason to do that and to me the comment and i've heard them say stuff like that or heard of them saying like uh, stuff like that to other people about interchangeable parts and i could put anybody up there i've heard quite a few stories of mm-hmm. them saying that shit to people what i would want to ask them is why was justin spiro who's like doing this shit in his free time and who's watching the original Woodward sports where it's like Sam day's mom and me in the chat. I'm, I'm not picking on Woodward. I'm talking like the first week, right? Like, and Adam would come on for four minutes and just drop nuclear napalm bombs all over the place and then shuffle off and go press buttons for the last hour and a half. And I'd be, I'd be in the comments saying, put them back on. This guy's way better than anybody else you're putting up there. I recognize that. A year and a half or whatever the timeline was, a year later, they finally realize, okay, maybe we should put Adam more you know, permanently on camera. They get there. He takes over the morning show. The numbers went through the roof. Absolutely. Like immediately. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, like that was not a fluke. And you guys, it's no offense. You're awesome. There was a little bit of a drop off from Adam to the guy that- Absolutely. That, I'm, I'm just saying. Yep. That's not a controversial opinion. This is not a polarizing topic. That's I've never heard anybody go the other way on that. I'm not sure that person's family would even disagree with me. So if you're arguing all interchangeable parts, why did the numbers skyrocket when he took over? Why did they dip when he left? Well, you know what? It's, it's a great point. And, and I think that's the difference between the, this, uh, the media business and, and just a general, just owning a, a random business, right? Like you're selling products, you're selling a, whatever it is, a service. This, this industry, you, you, people may come for the brand. But you always stay for the personalities. That's how that works, right? Like you come, you you turn on any radio station, you hear somebody you like, or you turn on a YouTube channel, a network channel, and you hear someone you like. Like I like this guy. I'm gonna keep listening to this guy. You don't come and stay for the brand. I mean, that that's that's idiotic to even suggest that, to, in my opinion. So. Yeah, it was no doubt. I mean, Adam, I mean, he's by far um, the most talented person I've met in this space. I mean, this in this, especially in this state. Um, but it, that, it, that's that's the disconnect for for someone running this company. Right. Is, you know, you're not understanding that concept. If you try to run a business like if you try to run every business you own exactly like in one another and then you get into a completely different space and try to run it exactly like your other businesses, you're set up to fail. Like this is a this is a, a people business. Like there's a reason why I listen to certain personalities. I notice no one ever says I listen to shows. I listen to Colin Cowherd. I listen to you know uh, Shannon Sharp. I listen to Nick Wright. I don't bring up shows. I mean that's just how it's always been. So yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, yeah. people ask me you know sometimes like you, know, you actually listen to ninety seven one or you listen to ninety seven one. Is Valenti on that day? There you go. Perfect yeah. example. If Valenti's on vacation, 
I'm not listening. So, I mean, you, you nailed it. It's, it's personality driven. If Mike Fellaini fled the market tomorrow, I, I do like Jim Costa, but uh, you Love know, Jim. from two to six, I'm not listening. So I, I'm not there to listen to, like you said, the brand or, and nobody is. I, I'm there to listen to Valenti. And I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't tell people I listen to the Valenti show with Rico. I listen to Valenti. Like you said, you name the name. It's, a, it's an asinine take. And I don't even think they believe that. I think that is a control mechanism. And that's what made your situation so interesting. Even in the context of your compromised hypothetical, there were they're saying to you, okay, you, you know, you're welcome to come back. Show's still yours, but you got to give up the podcast. Even had you done that, okay, you've made a huge sacrifice that you had no obligation to make within the realm of your contract and the parameters. By the way, still, you're lucky that we're letting you have this because you're interchangeable. You're a SWAT. Like, so even when they win, they want to like win and dunk on you and remind you, right? really, you're not that important. Like, So it's like, I, I can't even, if I'm going to be them, I would at least try to argue something about why it might be a conflict, even if it's a poor argument. The last thing I would do would say, yeah, like you're not doing that shit. And by the way, you're lucky to have us over here anyway. Like what the fuck is wrong with them? Yeah, it, that's that's the confusing part. And now you're seeing it kind of play out. I mean, just with the the stuff that you're seeing now with the text threads. And, and of course, like for me as a personality, I never had to directly deal with that. I think that was more the people working in the background, which I give those guys a lot of credit. Those, a lot of guys there bust their ass. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to name specific names, but guys that have put in everything, blood, blood sweat, tears, I mean, going to, going to bed late, waking up early to make that company great and to, to, even, to even try and come up with how much credit they've even got. I mean, it's pitiful. Like, they don't get the credit they deserve because the people make that company. That's how it's always been, right? The personalities, the people in the background, the producers, the TDs, guys in the audio booth, that's what makes the company go. That that's the the cog in the engine. So, I got a lot of respect for those guys there that, you know, are still there or were there in the past that that put everything into something they believed in and just got smacked right in the face and had to get treated the way they got treated. Like for me and and I think the other personalities can can speak on this. Like I, I, you know, I was in my own lane, right? As I was doing my show and I was, I was doing a good show. I didn't really get talked to like that or, or get texted like that. But, you know, it's unfortunate. Like I, I still, I mean, even during my time there, like it's it just, there is no, there's no, there's, that's no way to treat people. It just isn't. I think anybody knows that from kindergarten, from a baby, you get raised like that. So it's unfortunate. A lot of hardworking, talented people that are still there, that have been there, that just continue to be treated, I think, disrespectfully and not to what they really deserve. And I don't know if they know they deserve better, to be honest with you, because when you're in a situation for so long like that, your brain, you just don't know, is this, is this how I'm supposed to be treated? Is this, how, is this normal? Like it gets to that point where you're just like, you don't know what normal, what normal is and what's not, to be honest with you. Like I had to leave to really look outside and, and get connections with other people to be like, yeah, that's not normal. Like even the people that I have friends that and family that don't work in this space and and they've I, you know one time um, I was on a call uh, and a buddy of mine was listening he doesn't even work in media and he's like what that, that's your boss like in the even having people say that I'm like yeah referring to when the texts were released so uh, no I'm talking just just you in know, general just com- just company meetings or whatever I'm just because oh, I, I figured you, you know I'm a, I got to do something got to join a meeting I'll listen you know I'll see what what has to be said I don't want to miss it. And I just had my audio up and I didn't expect anything. And, and I got friends saying it. That, that, that's that's who you work. It's with? jarring. Yeah, it is. And I, it took me a while to really be like, Jeff, you 
you got to do better. You got to do better for yourself. Like I, there comes a point in time where you just have to have self-respect, you know, a certain level. And, you know, again, I'll say it again, cause I, I'll be the bigger man. Like I got a lot of appreciation for what the brand has done for me in the stage I was on, but yeah, it's dehumanizing. I, I mean, I have so much sympathy and empathy. I, I feel bad for a lot of the people there. And what I've heard and seems to be the case is there's sort of a strategic toxicity. Like it, it seems to be, from what I've been told, and there's a, evidence to support this, a lot of this is directed at young, the younger crowd there. And even you mentioned more kind of the back, um, sort of back of the room employees that you don't hear behind about. the scenes. Like I'm told Ryan Armani, Braylon, they're treated really well. Like, and they don't have that. And I was told by somebody who's not in this room, it's not Adam, if you're wondering, but I was told that some of those guys, like Armani and Braylon are kind of not oblivious. They're in meetings where there's, you know, some wild shit said, but they have no idea the extent because they're fluffed up and treated really nicely. And there's a reason that's problematic on a moral level. It's you're not just a hair on fire, crazy person who's an asshole boss. You're a bully if it's directed at people that you think are more vulnerable, less able or capable or willing to push back. So it's an added layer of if you're an asshole to everybody, Steve Jobs, he was a prick to everybody. Right. There was no there were no favorites. Every, he was an asshole. Read the book by Isaacson. It was fantastic. That's not the case here. It seems more targeted. And I'm going to bully who I can bully and not bully who maybe I can't. They learned really recently they can't bully me. Because they tried to do that and they backed right down because I'm ready for that fight and I stand on everything I said. Well, let's go. So to me, does that not add an extra layer where you're kind of not praying, but you're just exploiting and uh, strategically, uh, strategically leveraging your bullying towards where you think you can get away with it effectively? Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, too, about, you know, those other guys and, and, and you know, again, like Ryan, Braylon. Um, there's certainly people there, a D Mac, Neil, like even, you know, Spencer and easy, like, there's a lot of guys there, um, that I, I respect, uh, even Brandon debt. Like there's a lot of guys that I respect, but there's a point in time, Justin, where when you work and some guys work more, but I was one of the only personalities and there's a couple, maybe one or two that did stuff besides my show. Like I was working, I got off the show. I went right to, I went right to work. When you're there two hours a day, it's hard to even know what goes around around there. Like you just can't, it's impossible. You can't work there two hours a day, or, or let's say three, if you come in an hour before prep or whatever the case may be, and just act like you know the place. It's about the people, like I mentioned, that are there from 8 a.m. To, to whatever time they leave or, or to 10 a.m., whatever it is. Those guys can speak on it. Not somebody that's been there for two hours. Like you just can't. Like it, especially when you know you just you haven't had to deal with the circumstances. So like as far as that goes, like yeah, those I got guys that uh, Matt Tom Asway, like all those guys. Like they, again, they were respectful. I didn't hear from some people when I left, but that's now here or there. Um, but those guys just don't know, and it's not their fault. Like just not around it. Like you'd have to really speak to the people that are in the in the trenches to know what they go through. Um, because again, if you're there for two hours, you come in, you do your show and leave. How can you ever speak on something like this? You just can't. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't need to take these people's word for it because the I've seen the proof. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad stuff. And here's where it gets interesting as a uh, moral discussion, you know, bar table talk. I'll get your opinion. You said it's not their fault. You know, it's not Armani's fault. It's not DMAC's fault. I happen to love McCarty. You know, Armani, not so much. But couldn't I argue that if you're in this position where you're an older person, you're established, in Armani's case at least, he doesn't really need the job. You know that stuff's going on. 
uh, Tony Paul, who's who, who gave me permission to tell the story on the air. So for the record, I'm not burning Tony here. Tony said when I tweeted out that insane, maniacal exchange with the CEO over there and his employees, which was just the talk of the town. Tony Paul was at the like the pre NFC Championship game press conference in Allen Park. It was like a, they had like kind of like they do Super Bowl media day. It was like a media day, not just like a traditional press conference. I didn't even know they did this shit. He's like the entire Detroit sports media was there, and he said it was like like in high school when like a rumor starts and suddenly like <laughs> yeah, it goes it to, like around. it snakes around the hallway. Like it's just he like one person had their phone up and was like whisper. It was like out of a TV show or something, and suddenly the entire media room was talking about my tweet about Chad. And I got so many messages because I, I, and this is, I found out the origin of them all finding out kind of at the same time. I got so many messages from media members being like, I, I've had a boss that was kind of a jerk, but like, I, I would never tolerate that. Tony told me when I talked to him yesterday in the same conversation, he goes, I, I've had a couple bosses that kind of gave me some lip and I actually gave it right back to him and defended myself. I can't believe these people tolerate that. I'm not going to attack the intern, the you know the lower wage person that's just trying to make it or whatever. Right, fresh out of college, I understand that. Is there not a little bit more of an onus on somebody like Ryan Romani who knows this happened because they all know what I posted and don't believe otherwise if they tell you? Is there some onus on them to stand up for the? colleagues of theirs, even if they don't see them, they're getting effectively bullied here and everybody can see it in broad daylight. Yes. Uh, they should say something. Yeah, yeah. You can and say I, it. I get, I get that. I do. I think there's a part of it where, and again, I don't want to name names, but there's some people that are there simply for a check. Like that, that's how it works. Like you come in, you get paid, you leave. And I don't think they quite really care. Now there's other people that have reached out that are there, that are in the back talking to everybody and they know who they are. But there's others that are just there for a check and leave. And again, like I, that, it is what it is. And I think that's where it comes into play where you could give two fucks about what's going on. I mean, you're just there. Hey, as long as everything's running smoothly, right? We got every, the stream set up. We're good. All right, let's run the show. Like they don't give a damn. And um, that's just how it is. Now, it's funny because going back to when people reached out to me, I had people reach out to me that might have been in that room specifically. And, that, and a lot of those people were like, Jeff, like, you're good. Like, I, I think you'll be fine. I think you'll be better off, to be honest with you. And when you hear people like that in the same space tell me that, uh, you, like, like you kind of like you kind of said, I've never had someone like this. Like, I've never seen someone like this. It kind of does. Re- it does confirm my beliefs already. So it does make me feel better. So I appreciate those people for reaching out. But, yeah, I think it has to do with, you know, some people just not really giving a damn. And they know who they are. Like, I mean, it's, it's very clear. Um, but that's not an excuse, though. You can say, you know, some people are there for a check. Okay, you can say that, and I can say that's bullshit that you're willing to do that, especially in some of their cases where I know they have a good living outside of this. It's not there are I'm not gonna embarrass anybody. I I know more than I probably should know about people's financial situations in the media. I know who's called in favors from people asking for money and stuff. I know everything. I got ears everywhere, I got moles everywhere. There's people there that don't really need it. There's people there that drive Range Rovers and that would have a Range Rover before Woodward and without it. And even if they didn't, okay, they can drive a Ford Explorer. Right. Like, I I would rather not just, I'd rather my kids go hungry than have that type of shit in my life because I think I will be a shittier parent unable to feed them tomorrow. I'm not going to get them a sandwich today and sell my soul. I'll, t- I'll be a better parent to them big picture. And I'll be a better person. I'll be a better man for them. I, I would literally let my kids go hungry before I let somebody talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. Those, and I'll give those 
the people getting to start a pass. Shame on you guys that have money, that don't need this job, that have read this shit. And these people are, in some cases, I was to one of them, in one case, getting your coffee. And you're seeing them talk to this way. And you're just rolling in and you don't give a shit. Like sh- Jeff might not say it. I'll say it. Shame on you. And you guys know who you are. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know who you are. I think it's bullshit, man. Yeah, it's un- it's unfortunate. Like it's gotten to a point where I mean, even for me, and like I'm I'm tw- I mean I'm 23 years old. I've had to stand up and, and speak up and defend people because I- I'm like you. There comes a certain level of self respect. Like I, I'm a caring person. I I care about others' well being, and I put others typically before my even even myself. That's just how I was raised. Like and, and it's funny. I mean, I grew up in a in a you know my dad's Italian. He's old school. Like I'm used to being talked to in a certain way. Just how it is. Like I'm I'm used to be being given orders. Right, strict uh, having a strict dad. Like I get all that, but there's a that's my dad. Let's just go there first. Like especially another grown man. And there's when you know it's it's. You know, at least with your own father, it's like, all right, I'm going to be hard on you, but you know I love you, and you know I'm going to look out for you, and I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, stab you in the back. There's, there's none of that with the abuse, so it, it's sad. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. I'm not going to sit here and even argue it. I, I think even for and people who know who they are that aren't those bigger, big time personalities that, like, we've had to stand up because there's a certain time where you're watching your brother who you work with like get get ripped to shreds. And it's, like you mentioned, a 22, 23 year old intern not making that much, like. There, there's even if it means sacrificing myself or, or, or getting me in trouble, like I'm willing to go there if no one else will like that. Because you're right. I even thought about this. I don't have kids and I ain't planning on having kids anytime soon. But I looked at it as what there's going to be a day where I tell my son, my daughter, whatever the hell it is, or whatever the other gender is that I had to I stayed there and I took that abuse or I took this being treated a certain way, uh, you know, undervalued, whatever the case may be. Like I, I couldn't stand for that. So I think your point you made there about your kids going hungry, like I, I agree. Like there's a certain level of self-respect that you have to have. And I'm glad I was finally able to see that when I left because I'm much happier and I have, I can finally make an example for my children. Like you're going to, st- you stand up to that type of shit. Like you're not, we're not going to allow it. And it's funny. My dad, as strict as he is, he was proud as hell of me. I mean, he called me right after. He's like, I'm proud of you. And he's usually the oh, one that that's strict. Awesome. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's the one that's usually strict on me, but hearing him say that, I'm like, man, like it, it really was that bad. It, it truly was. And I'm not Italian, but I have a lot of Italian friends. I heard those Italian dads don't dole out fake compliments too readily. No, no. <laughs> not, usually it's shit talking. Usually. Yeah, that's usually yeah. how it works. They're, they're not like the morbid fuzzy from what I've been told. No. So yeah, I, I can't speak to that from personal experience. Yeah. And, and I mean, to clarify for my audience here that's listening, I'm not talking about like being a tough boss or a demanding boss. Like I'll defend. I mean, Steve Jobs took it too far, but I'll defend like 88% of what Steve Jobs said. I, I, I can. It's not my leadership style. It's not how I talk to Ben or my employees in my day job. But right. I, I can at least wrap my mind around it. That's not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what I would argue is active deception, vindictiveness. Uh, you know, you're telling people you're, you're building them up like they're going to make some big salary when you know in your head they have no chance of that actually happening. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, oh, this guy is demanding and it berates people when they fuck up. That's all there, too. But right. I, I wouldn't go public or feel like I have some onus to defend people from their boss who's mean to them. That's a lot of bosses, even though this is an extreme example. This is a different level. And it involves what I would argue is more nefarious stuff to the point where. I mean, two of them for sure off the top of my head. I won't name them. I'll I'll tell you after because I know that you've talked to them. Right. Two of the people I've talked to that used to work there are literally in therapy. Two are literally in therapy. Seen a therapist fucked up from what their experience was there. 
That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some asshole boss. I'm talking about some manipulative, weird, bizarre, I would argue in my opinion, unethical shit going on there. And I think it's weird that now people are coming out, but why is it on me to defend it? I think the people that have a voice there need to say something. Yeah, I think the the honus at this point is on. I mean, I'm not there anymore, so I hope. God no, it's for, not on you anymore. No, you're, no, you're hey, <laughs> you're uh, doing this. Yeah, That's actually uh, hey, pretty brave. I got, I got my own water bottle. So I know a lot of good. people that reached out to me that were like, "Hey, I would never do your show because I'm." They're still afraid of them, but here's this uh, disc drive, you know, USB drive with. Uh, Oh, I had to get a new iPhone, and, Jeff. I'll tell you, because I didn't have enough gigs for my Chad Johnson folder. And I'll say this, I, n- now that I'm here in person, like, I want to say thank you, seriously, because I, it, there comes a, you know, there's a time, like I'm, like I said, there, especially for someone like me, I'm young, I, I don't want no problems. I, I can't, number one, I, I ain't trying to get into any legal issues and I don't need to, right? I'm on a big, I want to do bigger and better things. I want to focus on my career. But for someone like you to speak up, like I, I do have a, a ton of respect for you. And I've, we've talked and, and I've DM'd you and, and thanked you for that um, because you're standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. And that's not me just doing this as like, I'm on your show. Like, this is real. Like that, that goes a long way. And there's people that might not tell you that, but know that. So I, I want you to know that. I mean, for a guy that powerful, um, and rich and successful, like it is scary. Like, especially when you come from a family that doesn't have money, like you don't know, especially when you see others and I'm not going to name names, but you know who they are that had to go through some issues of their own with them. Like it is, it is, um, it, it's a scary road to walk. And I, I want to say thank you for that. Uh, I, I, yeah, appreciate it. I'm and Wade too. Wade was, he was talking, uh, his, well, he was talking Wade. his shit earlier. I like that podcast. <laughs> Wade, Check that out. Wade, Wade was, Wade said it so perfectly on, on the show last week. You know, he, we're laughing. I read the season desist letter for everyone to, to hear and <laughs> Wade's laughing. He's like, they don't know who they're fucking with. Like we're, we'll, we'll take them to the Supreme court. Now it wouldn't go there because this thing would be summarily dismissed in two seconds. And that's pretty obvious. And they don't want any of that with me. Now there's different situations they've had with other people where they have, you know, maybe have a contractual thing. I don't know, but their MO seems to be bullying people. And I, they're not really used to someone. I mean, talk about not backing down. I put the shit on camera and read it on the air <laughs> and, and laughed about it and brought my attorney on mm-hmm. to pick it apart from a legal perspective. And then I issued a, a, not a threat, but a warning to them. You keep doing this shit. That folder that I had to get the bigger iPhone storage for, yeah. I'm going to be clearing some space on my Twitter feed. So, you, you know, if you want to, if you want to push people around like that, and I've gotten a lot of like, what, yeah, because people know these stories have been out there for a long time. And I've had people messaging me stuff for a long time. Right. People have asked me, what's the, what happened? Did they do something? It was an accumulation of, I'm tired of you guys getting pushed around over there. Where now I got you know, uh, a younger brother of a guy I've known my whole life. One of my closest friends is there now. And I just, I don't want him to get fucked over. So I'm not, I'm kind of like protective of him now. Good friends with Adam who I mean, I'm not even gonna get into that, but they did a number on him. I I'm just done with it. I don't have any skin in the game, but I'll put my skin in the game because on principle, because this is bullshit what they do. Yeah. And why is it me and not the people there that don't need the money? And it's like, yeah, it's just, some of those people I know for a fact, or they all know, but I know for a fact from being told, they know this stuff was said and these employees are talked to this way and they don't give a shit. No, no, they, they don't. And I think it's funny, it, just on um, social media in general, there's been a lot of people that now have been like fully supportive of, of what's been going on, at least with me, my departure and, and other guys' departure. And they starting to kind of see it now. Um just you know what goes on behind the scenes and i'll say this too i liked i liked your little sun uh, sunlight's the best disinfectant uh because that hey it, 
Come get me, motherfucker. I, I thought about that for like three days. I'm like, yeah, he's right. How about yeah. that for discovery? Yeah. Do I, can I call you as a witness? <laughs> hey, okay, we got to both turn our phones over. You're going to see me sending 7,000 texts to Adam about the Hiroshima dragonflies and why they <laughs> kept missing free throws in a double overtime game I lost by two points. Right. And you're going to find my wife asking why I haven't taken the trash out. And you're going to find 7,000 DMs from your former employees who think that that was the most toxic place, not that they've ever worked at that they've ever heard of in fiction or reality so you want to unload my text messages we'll put both our phones on the table get the hillary clinton bleach drive reversal get everything out of your phone and everything i've ever said written or even thought and i would argue the seven thousandth most offensive thing i said would seriously be i mean that he said would be like my worst that guy has had from what i've seen not heard, seen. I, I had the proof. He has the most toxic personality of anybody I've ever seen. So if he wants to bring in uh, an open deposition where uh, we're putting our phones on the table and we're, we're extracting hard drives, okay, okay, I'm ready. And my offer stands. Make my day. I'm here. I'm yeah, I, you're, Ball's in your court. I'm ready. I'll, I'm standing that's a, here. That's a trap. I'll tell you right now. That, that is I a, bring it on because yeah. I got nothing to hide, motherfucker. No, I know. And I got the best attorney who loves me so much. He's he's like, yeah, he's expensive as fuck. He'll, <laughs> he'll do it for free because he he hates you too. And that, that's the that's the crazy part. You have guys willing to work for free to take the to, best to, defense to, attorney in Metro. I Detroit. like that. It like that, that's far beyond even me. That's just like a, a common issue with with one person. And like and that's the thing, right? And with my relationship with with the owner and and everything and throughout the company, like there's been good times, and you know it's almost like it's you know uh, compliments, compliments, compliments. You're not good enough. Compliments, compliments. You're not good enough. It like, but that's and part that, of the game. I don't even give you credit for that. It's the nice guy. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's how. Listen, I dealt with it for a while, but then it got to a point where it was. Um, and, and this was even, I mean, I got pulled from the show. I didn't even bring that up before with, with me and Adam. They put me back on. I, I don't know what company does that, but regardless, um, it, it, it's, I mean, check the ratings on that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's just confusing all around, man. It, it just is. And, and I hope, I hope things, I hope, I hope things go well for the people that are, uh, that are inside there. And I think they, you know, fortunately will realize soon enough that they're, they're better off because they're guilty by association. That's a real thing. I mean, I, opportunities have opened up since my departure like people i've gotten my 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 uh re my reputation my following my presence on, on social media everything my voice has become louder and that's a crazy thing when you when you're a part of a company with that type of um with that following which we'll see i don't know if they're legit or not but regardless if you're a part of a company with that type of following then it, when you leave and you get bigger justin that's like that, that really shows how much that company means to everyone else. Like it does. It's true colors. It, I'm fascinated by their, so I love that I don't have to say you're anymore, their social media pages because it's like they, they have a lot of followers, but if you actually scroll, they've gained their following based on, here's this prize we're offering. You have to follow us. You have to retweet. You have to like and all this bullshit. Their actual content will have like four likes, two likes. I could tweet a picture of myself wearing a Michigan State shirt with a thumbs up saying go green. <laughs> And I would have more engagement than they've gotten on anything that didn't have a tie to a contest. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, seriously, I, I said, that's a legitimate offer. I'll, I'll do the bet. Let's yeah. try, let's test the theory. Yeah. Like anything that didn't have some connection to it. And maybe I'll give myself an exception if right after Alliance or something, but like on a, on a random Tuesday, eh, two likes, four likes, five likes. That's kind of pathetic for where they're like four years into this. I just, I, I don't know. We could have a whole other and that's a different day. 
discussion about their, their business model. I don't know what they're doing or trying to do. But what I do know and what I do think is my business is just a member of society and someone that cares about some of the people there and that used to be there is that the way they've handled things with their personnel is objectively mm-hmm. wrong. And I, I, look, I'm not going to stand for it anymore and I'm not even involved, but I've made myself involved because I think I have a responsibility, even in my role as a journalist, which is part of what I do. I do journalism work and reporting work. I, I'm going to put some light on it. And I'm glad that you know you had the balls to come here and do it. There's a lot of people that agree with everything you've said that have been through that same stuff and don't want to do it. And I respect that too. I've never pushed anybody. Right. But um, I think it's important. I, it, it's not about... If I were in it like to dunk on people, I could have done it like a year ago. I, I knew a lot of this stuff, but it's it just it reached a boiling point where enough's enough. And frankly, it's a shame because a lot of people have been asking for what they could have been for a long time. I've been asking for what ended up being Woodward Sports, like an alternative, independent, kind of renegade right. pirate ship thing. I've been asking for that for years. And it finally happens. And it's like in the worst, you know, not the entirety worst possible form, but just it's led by someone so unbecoming. And it's it's funny, I, and it's uh, funny enough for me, I started when it was uh, not right away, but I started a couple early. months. Yeah, early. Yeah. So I got to see what, what you're saying, right? I got to see the people at the top that actually we had direction. We had, you know, there was a, there was a different level of confidence with the company. Like that was Adam, that was Stick, that was those guys that, that you, with those guys in charge, you felt like we got this, right? It, it, they know, they, they're uh, obviously smart individuals, but you know, except for Stick, his towards his sports takes. I'll go at him another time. But regardless, <laughs> but those guys, business wise, um, I always trusted them. I love those guys. Those guys, especially, they were my mentors. Um, and there's many more. I mean, there's a, a, a Joey, and, and there's so many more guys that work there um, that that had a had a, had a. Uh, that were kind of in charge in a way. Those guys, there was direction there, and I, the people that worked there at that time can speak to it. And, and you, I'm sure you, you've talked to a couple of them. Um, the, now, where it's gotten to, like it's a shame. Like it's a shame. I I feel bad for what people. The idea that guys like a, a stick, for example, his image in his head when he first made this, when he first bought the website, what he thought it was going to be to what it is. Like that. Those truly, even though I'm I'm doing my own thing, like I feel bad for for guys like for a guy like him. Like for where it, where it, where it started to where it is now, <laughs> like in the reputation, and then again, like I brought up, guilty by association. Now you know you got a guy who you know people assume stick you're the owner, so you're the piece of shit. You know you're you deserve uh, all the, the blame. media hates you guys. I, yeah, I have talked to Adam about that before. I, I've had a lot of media members in here. Yeah, and that's uh, they're not Woodward fans. No, no, and and again, like kind of like what I brought up when I left. It was it turns out it was better for my career. Like it was better for my my growth. But yeah. I, I, it's crazy where it's where it's gone to. Like I had a lot of belief, and there was proof. Like there was growth, and you didn't have to do a giveaway every three days. And you know there was actually positive growth, and there weren't all horrible takes. And um, you know that's that's a whole other thing. But um, yeah, it's sad. It truly is. And notice how those guys are gone, and where the direction is. I think it speaks to itself. Uh, it speaks look, volumes. I agree. Let me throw let me throw this to you. I, I can be a little bit flammable, <laughs> inflammatory, maybe I should right. say on on social media and stuff. And I, I you know. I don't consider myself toxic. I consider my criticism pointed and targeted and fair in most cases. When I go in on, you know, Rico Beard not being prepared on a show or whatever, I get messages to this day, you know, weeks later. Why are you so hard on Rico? I like Rico, whatever. So it's polarizing. Some people love it. A lot of people like Rico, whatever. I pick on the Michigan fan who I now ironically friends with, you know, Michelle, who posts a lot of, you know, 
racy pictures of herself. And I'm like, come on, like you're, you're selling out a little bit. Like let's, you know, and I, I, you know, now we're friends. I get along with her, but when I was kind of jabbing at her a little bit and, and more so at the people commenting, really, to be honest, I, polarizing people, a lot of Michigan state people, even Michigan fans, it's the funniest thing ever. You know, this is bullshit. I hate the account. A lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people hated me for it. The Woodward thing isn't polarizing like that. When I go after Woodward, I don't have a single person in my DM saying, oh, come on, what's wrong with you? Or you got this wrong. That other than a couple of people who are working there, whom I don't count. It's it's like a it's like a hostage video at that point. Like how, yeah. like, how seriously are you going to take that? I, do you find that interesting that every person I've ever criticized ever, I mean, ever, even Braylon had a couple of supporters. I always have a couple DMs, a couple of people in my comments say, knock it off. They're fine. It's crickets. It's like thousands of people in the public don't like it. And the people inside or that used to be in there, thank God for what you're doing. There's not a single person saying, Justin, you got this wrong. That's never happened before. Yeah. And I want to, I want to say this too, about me saying, you know, guys with terrible takes, like, again, this, this is what we do. Like, if you have a terrible take, I'll call you out. Like I, I kind of, you know, mentioned there with Sam, like a stick, I love stick, but like, that's just what this business is. If you have a bad take, I'm gonna call you out. It's nothing personal, like for you. Um, and it's, it's funny. And again, like, I love that you do it because there has to be accountability, like in this space. If you, if you say something into the microphone, that that is complete idiotic. I deserve you deserve to be held accountable. Um, whether it's smart or not, like my JMO take, you brought it right up, and I'm glad you did. Like I don't mind talking about it because I know people get buttered and, and you know with Justin this, Justin that. You shared my take, but you're the one who said it in the microphone. Yeah. So like you did. It's just there. It, it's out for the public. So you know, me saying that, it, it, I'm not trying to say it's not anything about them personally, but yeah, I I do. I love that. That's a part of the game. That's why you have to prepare. You have to be, you have to make sure when you say something, you know what you're talking about. You're not just spitting nonsense. You're not just spitting nonsense or saying what people want to hear, which I think is kind of a, a part of what some people do at the end of the day. You're just spitting out and you might be, you know, it's, that's it's a whole other thing. I'm, I'm the complete opposite of the people that run from it. I sit and like make entire edits, making myself look really bad. Like, I think like, it's great to be wrong. <laughs> I think it's great. You, you, can, you can learn, but you know, it's, I got into this big, like that argument. It was very friendly, but disagreement with Kennedy Broadwell when she was on the show, you know, a former Woodward person. And I'm like, she will afford, like, you're a naive girl. Like you're like fresh out of college. You know, like the Ford family sucks. She was another bum. And she's the reason Akuda was drafted. And I was honestly probably unintentionally just because I was so flabbergasted by her take kind of like unintentionally condescending. I was just, I couldn't believe what she was saying. I, she humiliated me in that discussion. She destroyed me in that discussion. And I'd say, and I made an entire edit like of her just dunking on me in that exchange. And it, it's so many people can't handle that. Like the, you know, even people at Woodward, it's like, like, for example, the season desist letter I got, which mm -hmm. you know, I read, everyone saw, I posted it. The only thing that I didn't include was like the kind of mumbo jumbo generic boilerplate stuff at the end, everything pertinent. I posted it out there. <laughs> The language in that was so funny. It was worded very strategically to say, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, you know, the exchanges that allegedly took place that you shared and inside information, which you purported to know about. And it's like, the, it's all this coded language to suggest that I made this up or like that they didn't actually say or do this stuff. There, there's proof of it. Right. And, and they know that because they said the stuff. So they know that they said it. They know that. But did Justin make up this screenshot? You know you said that shit. Pull up your own phone. Look at your own archive. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating that people will say the sky's not blue. It's bizarre. Yeah, especially when the proof's right there. And, and it's not just you. Po it's not, I mean, you're, okay, you're posting it, but it's you're not the only one who's seen it. Like, there's a lot of things that 
we've seen, we've been in, and and I've been in certain group chats where like you, you, we see it. I think it was just more jarring, uh, jarring that you posted it. We're like, okay, like okay, like it's out there because it's truth. It's all true. There's there's no there's no you know faking anything. It's not exaggerated in any way. Those are all true. And it, there's the unfortunate. I don't know. Again, we could talk about this off here. I don't, I don't know how much you got. There's a lot out there. Um, okay. There's a lot. Last week at this very table after the show, I I think Ben, I think Ben, producer Ben popped out for this too, for this part. Uh, but Wade, my attorney who had just done the show, I was like, Wade, that thing I posted that caused that shitstorm is not in the top 20 of what I have. <laughs> like it's easily the least <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, it not great, unbecoming, but not like offensive in the same way. Right. There's a difference between being an asshole and being like, oh my God, you can't say that in 2022, 23. You know, Especially over text. Like just, uh, just wherever. I mean, I've been, you know, maybe a little bit tipsy at the bar with my friends. And it's, it's that way. It's not even like locker room talk. It's stuff like I wouldn't even think to say or have the thought, but like it's, it wasn't in the top 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's pretty bad. And, you know, I showed Wade that stuff and was reading him a couple and showed him a couple and not even he only saw part of it i think ben uh, not to speak for you i'm pretty sure ben you popped out for that but wade was like oh shit like when, he, when he looked at this stuff like oh my god so yeah uh there's a lot worse stuff and and council agreed with me that there was worse stuff than than what was shared so i i'm amused at this whole denial and you're seeing it through some of their employees like what do you make of their social media manager like messaging me being like hey knock it off and then kind of immediately backing down and saying thank you on the side oops i wasn't supposed to say that but call me out publicly that's what you're gonna get like their employees are still kind of in the tank for them right like you can't defend this stuff otherwise i I think there's a and i'll and i'll speak on this because now that we're here and we get to do the show I've spoken to people that, and I see it a, a different way because I'm no longer there. And I, so I'm not gonna lie to you, Justin. When I was that Woodward, I'm like, who's this Justin guy? Like, I knew who you were, <laughs> but I'm like, damn, he's attacking my the guy, the brand I'm working for. But it took yeah. me to leave to understand. It did, and it took me to leave to understand where you were coming from. Your problem was never with the people there; it was with a certain person and, and the brand and what and what represents. I get 100%. that, and I got that when I left. It took me, it took me time because at the time, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking of myself. I'm thinking selfishly. And I do think there's people there that think Justin's coming at us. He's, but at the end of the day, you're guilty by association. That's not, it's not your fault that, you know, they're a part of a company, unfortunately, that is, that is getting just plastered with all this stuff coming out online. That's unfortunate, but it's out there, like regardless. And, and there's a lot of people, specifically some people's lives that have been ruined. And I think this is something that needs to be speak, speak uh, spoken on. So I think from some people that may have a problem with it, it's more so they're thinking at this, you know, Justin's coming after us directly when it's not. It's it's not. There's there's someone that's above you and they should know better. And I think they do um, that need to see the bigger picture, that it's more than just you. It's more than just you. It's a, it's the person that's really causing havoc for a lot of people and what they're doing in their individual lives. So hopefully they see that. And um, that's why I reached out to you immediately. And I know some people that that do feel a certain way and positive light about you. Um, but the people that feel like negatively, like you're attacking them, I've never heard you say one thing besides people that have came after you specifically. Um, it's not like you just called. You never called me out. I mean, I was working there. I was one of the youngest people there. And, and you've never called me out directly. So I, I I get what you're trying to do, but others just might not see it that way. And well, it's unfortunate, but it's yeah. even more than what you said. Not only am I not attacking them, I'm defending them with what I'm doing. Right. The, the one, ex- or I mean, one show exception, 
a multi-exception if you consider them one package uh, or not one package. You know, Armani and Braylon, I was very critical of some of the stuff and I stand, I don't, I don't regret a single thing I said or did. I, you know, they were speaking nonsense about you know, Michigan State fans are all racist or most of them are racist and they were calling Mel Tucker the N-word, which there's no evidence of. I'm going to call that out. Absolutely. But that's, that's like I'm calling out bullshit that you said and saying, we're, bring the proof. I think that's fair, certainly in my role as a media critic and a journalist, you know, let alone just a member of civil society. But with that notwithstanding, I've never gone after anybody. Conversely, he can't talk because he's going to get sued. But give us a thumbs up. Was there a bigger supporter of Woodward Sports to me at the beginning? He put his thumbs up. Like, I remember you calling into the show. I was bringing, I, on the show, I was calling in the show. I was bringing him in. Adam, I, I think Adam said I was the first person to ever, like, talk to him outside of, you know, like, like in that context, I should say. Like, right. like, interviewing him in that context. Yeah, first, well, definitely the first fan. But, so not only am I not going after them, I was your guy's biggest fan. And in many cases, most cases, still am. I, I don't want to name names because um, I don't want to get them in a, you know, in a weird position. But I have friends there right now, like that are my friends and people that I like and people that have been on this show. I'm not like going after them or trying to hurt them. I'm trying to protect sort of the the people there that don't feel comfortable defending themselves. Yeah, and that takes it takes balls. And yeah. I, maybe not everyone has them, although they may have them. And there's a different level. And and that's why, at least for me, and I hope others see it this way too, that, you know, the 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 whatever you they think of you online or whatever the case may be. That you, they try to understand the big picture, which I, I think I'm, I obviously realize it, and I think others realize it. Um, but it's unfortunate. Like I, I don't see how in the hell you can be upset with somebody calling out your boss that has has done some some you know and said some said some horrific things. Like I, I don't see how you can be. You're mad at the wrong guy. You're pointing the gun at the wrong person. Like that's just how I view it. Um, but hopefully they see it that way in the future. And and again, it's it's unfortunate that people are are, are stuck there for other obligations, whether it's you know financial or, or whatever the case may be. It's it's their situation. Um, but there are talented people there that that, that are just kind of stuck. And, it's a bizarre, and it's unfortunate, bizarre situation. Again, anyone mad at me? It's like yeah, the guy putting the light on and saying, oh look what's going on over here. That guy's the asshole. The guy doing the stuff that no one wants seeing is is fine. It's it's a bizarre take to even have and it's funny someone said now for the record since this isn't going out to many people this the person was joking totally joking but they were joking with me if one of your former employees that uh, over there at woodward that does not like how they were treated jokingly said man like if you wanted to shake chad johnson down like you know just would just show him the evidence you could get this huge bribe off him and i was laughing i was like chad they were joking no one's blackmailing anybody <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I but i but i said i said to the person i meant to Chad Johnson could offer me $10 million and it wouldn't change what I did in this in this lane. This isn't about that. It never was. It's not about shaking anybody down or I don't want anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not like mad at anybody in particular or like there's no agenda other than enough's enough. This is bullshit. People deserve to know. And in the final, final, final straw for me, Adams was like the, the penultimate, the second to last for those that you know didn't get a 30 on their uh, ACT English or better. The penultimate example was Adam. The final one was the younger brother of my longtime lifetime friend that is there now where it's like, here's another person who I know this person and I don't know what you think of them. Maybe you don't like them, but I know that family. I love that kid. I love his family. I've known him forever. There's another person that like that guy doesn't know what he's getting into. And that was my final breaking point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to put a light out there. If people know 
what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. And, and they know that they're going to be yelled at and they know that there's going to be some promises that aren't kept. And you want to go there? I'm good with that. I'm a capitalist baby, free country. Go in, eyes open, no problem. I had a friend that was looking at Chris, uh, you know, uh, Castellani was looking at working there. I have other friends that have been talking about working, you know, going there at some point. I told Castellani, here's what it's like. Here's what I've heard. I've heard stories. I've since heard a lot more. You're good with that? Then go. But just go in, eyes open. That was it. It's like, it's my, seeing my, one of my best friend's younger brothers who I knew when he was like a three-year-old and I kind of have like a brotherly protectiveness with him. Going there, not knowing, in my opinion, what he was getting into. That's where I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Put a light on it. Let's let people see what's out there. And if they're cool with it, then fine. If you want to get yelled at all day and see this shit and be subjected to it, free country, man. I don't give a shit. But people find out about this stuff after they're under the thumb. And that's what I have a problem with. Go in eyes open. People deserve to know what they're getting into if they go there. And I stand by that. And I don't care how many letters you send me. Keep them coming. Waste the stamp. I don't give a shit. And if you keep it up, I'm coming back after you in a countersuit if that wasn't clear the first time because I'm tired of it. You're not going to keep bullying people, you motherfuckers, over there. Like, mm-hmm. enough. You're sending your henchman to cancel his show on him. And I'm so sick of it. Make the call yourself, you coward. What it, a it, cowardly it, I, move that was, by the way. We didn't talk about that. What a cowardly <laughs> move. Jesse going there, sending the henchman from the, the bar in Naples or wherever they were. Like, fuck off, you coward. You're a coward. No one's afraid of you. I, I mean, your employees are that you've exploited, but I'm not. And no one, no serious person's afraid of you. So yeah, you, you send, send me another letter. Send me another letter. There'll be two more messages on my Twitter page pinned by tomorrow. <laughs> I want to say this too. That's going back to, to kind of the point you made. Uh, when I got blocked initially, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, was that, was that one of the guys that, that worked there? I'm like, no way. <laughs> they wouldn't do that. No, you know what? It, it, it's a grown ass man. <laughs> That thought in his mind, block him, block him. And I'm, you know, obviously it is what it is. I had friends that you handled everything with total class. Yeah. You were, you're, I mean, you're out of. It's like sayonara. Thanks for four total, years. You're a dude. Like, yeah. what are you like 25 or something? You're a young guy, but you're young enough. I can say your age and not offend you or whatever. Like yeah. you're a 25 year old dude. That's not young, young, but it, you shouldn't, in theory, be as composed and mature and like life learned as whatever. Chad is like 50 or something like to me it's very small like it's it's just it, it's like a petty not even it's like unbecoming of a high school it's almost like an eighth grade level vindictiveness yeah it's it's a and you I think you mentioned this earlier too but it is a part of it's a control freak like it's it's a control freak I, I don't again I I'm not a psychiatrist I, I don't know the, the other problems that, that are potentially there I mean there's just again if you have a phone call with me that is 15 minutes and half of it you're praising me half of it you're you're completely disrespecting me I, it's just you leave the phone call like what the fuck like I, half of it was you know Jeff you're, you're talented you're one of the best talents we have which I appreciate yeah and the other half is well we can do this thing with anybody in that seat so yeah, um, yeah. and you're the only reason why your channel's doing well by the way is because of us it's like you're, you're sitting there having the phone call, like your head spinning. You're like, wait, is it, am I am I one of the most talented, or am I a piece of shit who who's not talented? I, it's just, it's like your mind fucked. That's what you leave most conversations, um, kind of like. It's unfortunate. Now, there's a great YouTube channel, it's, uh, Live Abuse Free, and uh, the expert on that, who's a licensed psychologist, has a great series on covert narcissism. It might be quite informative for those that want to learn more about this topic, for those who may happen to be afflicted with covert narcissism. I'm not making any accusations or 
you know, certainly no diagnoses because I don't know, you know, right. and I could be talking about anybody, but there we might be having a conversation about someone that might qualify because the whole, oh, I'm going to mix in some positive stuff and hype you up and then kind of rein you back in. That's a pattern that is uh, very typical of a lot of people that end up in some weird social situations and in some case legal situations. So I'm not saying that's the case here, but it rings some of the some of the boxes are being checked. Some of those bells are being rung. I don't know. But what I do know is there's a conga line of evidence of stuff that I find really problematic. Mm-hmm. And look, people there that have the ability to say something that haven't, that's their decision. I got more balls than you do. I mean, I, I, and I don't care. So I'm going to keep doing it. And look, I, I don't have, there's nothing, it's not a, there's no bribe. There's no, I don't want anything other than for you to stop doing it yeah. and, and feel like I've, fulfilled my obligation to shine light on it because I, I, I feel guilty that someone who is the younger brother of someone that I like care a lot about is there when I, I felt like, you know, and I sat on this information, like maybe that's wrong that maybe I shouldn't care, but I almost feel like a like guilty in a way. And I don't want to feel that. So it's like, you know what, this is what it's like there. Everybody knows it. Go ahead. And, and that's where I'm at. So, and I, it is funny. I've had, um, <laughs> and those people, if they're watching, they know who they are, but I've had random fans and listeners reach out during my time there. And they're like, Hey, Jeff, I'd love to get a job there and, and, and to get an opportunity there. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, Justin. I mean, I just, I thought to myself, would I be a piece of shit if I led this person into here? Like, I, cause I didn't have the guts to tell them, like, you know, the tell all. But at the same time, I'm like, I'll try to get you in. I'll, you know, I'll let them know or I'll let this person know. But then there's another side of me that's like, dude, you're, you're, you're better off just doing something else. Like morally, I mean, and we talked a lot about self-respect. Like if you want to keep that, um, depending on what type of person you are, like I, I didn't even have the guts to lay out the precautionary, like, hey, stay away from this. But I just said, you know what? I'll get back to you. And I never got back to him. But it wasn't because I was being a dick. It was just... I don't know if you can handle it. And, and I didn't feel like explaining the entire situation. Well, especially when I'm there and, and I don't want to hurt the reputation, of course, always company first. It's how I've always been. Um, but yeah, like I've had people reach out like young people and I, I just say, it's, I don't want to say it, but at the same time, like, man, you're probably better off just going a different route. And people that have come through here and left, there aren't, there are, I can count on on my hands and there's more that have, have been better off and they're doing well. And, and those people know who they are. So I'm, I'm going to need a hotline, Jeff, pretty soon, like for these uh, phone calls and texts and emails that are coming in with their experiences and their stories. I, this was not the plan. I, the, the plan was not to put up like a bat signal and have people saying, hey, here's my story. I appreciate that people do that. I, and, you know, I respect and am grateful for their trust. But it, even I, having heard what I heard, was surprised by the scale of it. Well, you know, it's confused. And this is what I, I thought a lot about because I've had time to think. And like, even for me, take me into to, to account here. Like I I started at Woodward as an intern. I worked for free uh, for a period of time. Then I proceeded to get paid, whatever you might count that as being paid. I mean, it is what it is. Um, but I was paid. Um, I worked my way up from an intern and, and shout out again to Stick and Adam for and Joey, for those guys for, for believing me. And of course, I, I met with Stick and he I was hired. I started, Justin, from the, the ground up to now hosting the morning show, having the number one show on the network with Adam, and and of course, trying to keep it relevant after his departure. Like I was the example of what you could be at this company. And I think it's ironic that how I exited was an example of what happens to people like me, where you start and everyone loved me. Jeff, the kid that, you know, started as, you know, an intern and, and, and worked his way into the morning show, thanks to stick and got more opportunities and people took me under their wing. And then I get called the franchise and franchise this franchise, this good looking Jeff. And then he's just 
yanked right off the show. It's like, guys, if that doesn't show you, and we already learned it with with another person, um, a, a Lebanese person uh, specifically, that uh, was the franchise and saw how he was treated, and then it's me, like, nobody's safe. Nobody. And I think that should show young people like myself that, like, if this can happen to Jeff, like, I'm fucked or I will be fucked eventually. And I worked there for four years and then it finally it got to me. But it's sad. Like, I should have been the example of what you can do with your with your brand at Woodward. And, and you know how it ended. So now people got a clear picture of what it will do to your brand eventually. That's a God forbid point. you make a you, podcast. That's an excellent point. You were a great poster child for it. Honestly, like, yeah, yeah like that's how I started small. It. The guy was like running the flagship show. I mean, that's that's I didn't even think about that. But really, even from a pure Machiavellian capitalist money grabbing selfish standpoint, if I'm them, I'd be like even I'd at least pretend to care about that. Right. Just to leverage the benefits of that and that mm-hmm. story and that angle from a an employee recruitment standpoint, from a human interest feel good story standpoint. It's great PR. It's a great bragging point for them. Absolutely. They kind of punted uh, something to their own benefit on that. But I mean, that's that's the thing. I don't think this is run in a way. And I don't really care. It's not my business how it's run from like a business model, MBA 101 perspective. But I don't think it's run in a way of like, what's the best thing objectively for the company? It's it, it's uh, in a lot of ways, like, for example, pulling you off the show on Monday. That made no content business sense at no, all. Absolutely that not. The audience lost. That was a bad thing for them and you, but for them. Mm-hmm. That was not a business decision. So to me, this is not run. I mean, I'm sure there are things that are run in a traditional way, in a smart way, but this is not run like a smart business. This is run like a a toy. And and there's people that I think are under the thumb of this and they've been steamrolled and you're one of them. And there's someone else that I'm good friends with that might be near us right now that has been part of that too. And I, I just think it's a shame. And I'll say to you, I know a lot of the Woodward people are listening, former and current, you know, you're... Secret safe with me. I would never share anything that wasn't, you know, given the blessing to share. Um, you know, I, my DMs are open. You can message me anything you want. Uh, I, you know, I got your back, and um, you know, you don't have to be subjected to to lawsuits and stuff because I, you know the guy can come after me. Um, you know, that's fine, and I'll stand in front of you because I'm done. And you can feel very comfortable that I got the best attorney in the state of Michigan. And I know what I'm saying, what I'm doing, and people should do their research on actual malice and the standard that you need to prove in a defamation case. I know what I'm doing. Okay. I know what I'm doing. Your secret's safe with me. You can come to me anytime and I will happily defend you uh, publicly. If you'd rather just vent, that's fine too. I, I appreciate Jeff being here. Uh, I felt like I kept you way too long. I feel bad. But no, no. I, I, I praise you for coming on and telling your story. And now you're gone. I can finally hype you up a little bit more. I, I you, know, it's, it's, you were a little guilty by association. You know, I mean, I didn't think that. I, I separated you, but I didn't want to help them. I get it. You know, so it. it's, I'm glad that you're just don't, out of Just don't put my JMO take out there, please. The thousand well, yards. We'll just keep that. That wasn't even, we'll I want, if I wanted to be an asshole, I would have played the responses. Thousand, fourteen hundred. <laughs> Where are these yards coming from? Love what, those boys. Video. I, I enjoy your show. I, I, I've been getting into it, especially I listened to a lot of it today, but I've been getting into it the last couple of days. The um, the show's good. I, I mean, shit, you know how many dumb things I said about Dan Campbell that we're basically <laughs> in the world. I, you know, no one's above that shit. Um, Thank you. But there's just, you know, there's only so many yards that can go around. That's all. Right. Unless Jared Goff's breaking the passing yard record. You're, you're someone's got to do the math and be like, okay, you can't have them all at 1,400. Right. So someone's got to have six. <laughs> 
But anyway, Jeff, I appreciate you, man. It was Always. a long, long-winded show for us. I hope, uh, hope you don't hate me. We'll keep no, it no. shorter next time. Do it again. I appreciate you for having me. This was long overdue. But yeah, I'm happy I, agree. I got to do it today. I agree. And uh, a riveting topic that I'm sure will continue to develop. We'll see if I get any more angry emails in my inbox tomorrow. I, I welcome them. And um, I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you do that, more is getting posted. Yeah. And we, we can do that tit for tat because I'm not, I'm not playing around. I've done nothing wrong and I stand by it. Jeff has done nothing wrong. He didn't break no. his contract and you were issuing him ultimatums. Someone's got to stand up for what's right. You're, you're part of the good team now. Welcome to the good side, Thank the you. right side. What a wicked awesome show. This is great. Wicked awesome show. Wicked yeah. awesome show. I, I feel bad. If you ever feel like you're, you're missing you know, F-bombs in your inbox and you really miss the abuse, like I, I'm a bad actor, but I can try to... I appreciate yeah. that. I'll try. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you want to get whacked around a little bit. I, I don't know. Did you see what I posted my, my messages to Ben and put them like side by yeah. side? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Please, yeah. sir. Great job on the graphic. I'm sorry. I didn't send it earlier, Benjamin. Like, thank you so much for all that you do. Great job, buddy. Like, people think I'm such an asshole. I'm not that bad of a guy, honestly. I'm really not. Yeah. I'm a little, little run a little you bit. I've been long, around long enough. Yeah. yeah I mean, but ben, ben, like, it's so. There's no Ben couldn't provide a single message where I'm like an asshole to him. Needy, whiny about something maybe sometimes, but I I don't think I've ever been like a prick to Ben. Maybe he would disagree. I I just I and you know I I don't want to say I get to me Ben's more like a partner than an employee. We're more collaborative, but like I get better. Like the show gets better out of him because I'm nice to him. Right. Like there's he would first of all Ben Ben said he'll never work for another asshole boss. He had one. So I would, he'd already be gone, but like, I just, you don't have to talk to people like that. No. Like I, Ben does great I think work it's counterproductive uh, to be honest. Cause yeah. when you, when you have yeah. a good relationship, you, you just, you want to work. I want to work harder for that specific person. That's why I brought up, you know, Adam and, and stick and those guys. Like I wanted to go to war for those guys. And, and now it's just, you, you can't say the same now. No one will ever have a DM. No former employee of mine in any capacity will ever have a DM or a text <laughs> from me that looks anything like that. If they did, it, they will be getting sued because they made it up. It's a Photoshop because I don't talk like that. Right. And I don't get why people would ever even dream of that. But again, I do give you credit. You're doing a great job. I got to learn more. I've, I only know from a couple episodes like your co-host. I'm very familiar with your work because I was a religious viewer yeah. when Adam was with you. Uh, but you do a great job, man. People should definitely check you out. And uh, I subscribed to your YouTube Let's go. Uh, yesterday. I'm a subscriber. Let's go. I'm, a, I'm, I'm on the train. So uh, other people should hop on too. We appreciate our guests in the audience uh, for keeping it down over there. It, it makes whisper next time. We don't want yeah, that showing up on the sound. Put the duct tape on. Yeah, no yeah. Place. I don't know how restrictive is it. Is it does it count? You know what? We should have him back on. Is it a sports show if we just talk about his job experience? I don't know. I think that might be a loophole. He's 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 looking at me like he. Might. <laughs> we need Wade. Yeah, <laughs> we, we need Wade. Well, Call Wade will, Wade will be like sitting, you know, at least off camera. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that, legend. that's it, Jeff. I'm ready. Appreciate you, man. Always. Thanks, Justin. Great job by you, Ben. As always, Eric. Love you. We're out.